Welcome to episode 129 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Uh, last week we were we were off. We aired some of our interviews from Corpus Christi, which we still have a couple of interviews left from Corpus Christi. And then we did some interviews this week at Bryan College Station. You turn my headphones up just a little bit. I will. Is that better? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so those will go out later. We're, we're saving those for hopefully to get like one week off a month right now. That is kind of <laughs> school has started again. Enough yeah. said. So that is the plan. So some of us had to go to work all summer, too. These kids gonna learn, Robert. They gonna learn not to mess with me. Yeah, some of us worked all summer and still did the podcast. So. <sighs> well, yeah. aren't you just amazing? You come no, I'm just a normal person. You come, you come hang out with I never school. claimed to be normal. I don't think anybody who has met me can say that I have ever claimed to be normal. You can come hang it out with a setting uh, on the drive. high school seniors. Or high school freshmen, I mean. That's, Stick with my little third grade babies that so were babies. Fun. It was pretty oh. fucking hot in the shop today, so but oh. that might have been better. Did it rain on you today at the oh, shop? Yeah. It poured. Our power oh, went yeah. out at school and everything. Yeah, I went out to the shop for about 20 minutes, too. Luckily, I didn't have the CNC on yet because it does not react well to turning off in the oh, middle of man. cutting. Oh, really? Yeah, you end up having to reset all the zeros. And... Did y'all ever figure out the thing where you're was cutting those the Y or the X or whatever. It's one of the, the main driver was bad, but um, they replaced it under warranty. So cool. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. So uh, this past week we had the Brian college station show, which was a pretty decent show for you. Mm-hmm. You did pretty well. Uh, it was, no, pretty, I mean, yeah, I mean, as you said, it was, as far as that show goes. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, considering the time it was, that was the weekend everybody was moving in. So mm-hmm. like we didn't have all of our built in like college kids come to the show because they were I, all moving in. So I noticed that because I was I worked up front. Lori worked in her shop on Saturday. So it was just a few of us up there on Saturday. But I noticed we didn't have as many of the college kids. Mm-hmm. And then about halfway through Saturday, I realized, oh, it's move in weekend. Yeah. They're yeah. all busy. <laughs> we had a lot of uh, uh, cowboys. That, that horse show next was, door, they well, were all coming yeah. in. And yeah, so that morning it was the horse show mm-hmm. trade days. And then that evening and afternoon there was a rodeo. And so we had a lot of kids that were going to be competing later that were coming through. Well, we got them in that in-between window because there was a shutdown between the uh, trade day and the rodeo. And our so venue out. was air conditioning. Theirs was not. Yes. And so that's what a lot of the, the dads and grandpas, when they were coming in, they were like, yep, y'all got air. But, uh, What's it, it going to cost me? It was a, <laughs> a good show for some. I know like. Corey Martin did really well. We interviewed Corey Martin this weekend. I'm looking forward to that one coming out. Um, she did really well. Like I said, for Bryan College Station, that was one of your best Bryan College Station shows. Yeah. And like I said, it was pretty good considering we didn't have the built-in students already there. And then Saturday night, we went over to the Tipsy Trinket, which is uh, Lori, Lori and uh, from you know Lori and Sean. It's her place. And uh, we hung out. That was a fun night. Yeah. And it wasn't like miserably hot. It rained hot. that day, so it was beautiful it weather. Good. The yeah. breeze was going, and they have fans out on the patio. I mean, you had fat guys terrace. like us sitting out there, and we didn't sweat our asses off. So Yeah, I stayed out there for a while, but then I went inside to go to the bathroom, and I was like, oh, it's much nicer in here. <laughs> I'm gonna. That's when I texted you and John Grant. was like, y'all come inside. You didn't have to listen to uh, karaoke on the inside. Yeah. Some of the, that's that was I wasn't going to say that, but that's I the had reason the best I stayed time. Because you were also drinking. You got to remember. I know. Two of us were not drinking. I never do that either. There you were, were a drinking. Lot of, there were a lot of people that were very shocked to see that for me the, on Saturday. I, I did enjoy Bull doing the crazy rap. He was phenomenal. <laughs> he nailed it. I didn't even know yeah, that picture, was a hidden uh, talent. 350 pound picture me country white dude. Up there. Yeah. Even countryer. Yeah. I didn't even know that he had it in him and it was glorious. Yeah. It was pretty good. 
Uh, so that show. But let's go ahead and get our sponsors, Katie. You ready for our sponsors? Yeah. So if you are looking for a high quality PVC rack, look no further than Lone Star Reptile Racks. They offer a variety of sizes for all types of snakes, geckos, rats, and more. You can even order something custom. Shipping is available, or you can plan to pick up at a Harps Reptile Show near you. Visit ellisreptileracks.com to reach out to Lone Star Reptile Racks and place your order today. Yes, get them ahead of time. Uh, our next show, well, your next show is Austin this weekend, right? So you've got Austin, August 27th, 28th. And then we're back in Conroe, September 10th and 11th. Uh, I will be set up, I think, in the uh, the lobby. So wave as you come by. We'll be doing interviews in Conroe to try and get us another few months I'll off. I'll be on the register. <laughs> uh, New Orleans is September 17th and 18th. Waco, Texas, October 15th and 16th. Lafayette, Louisiana, November 5th and 6th. Pearland, that's our home show, November 12th and 13th. Then back to Austin, Texas, December 3rd and 4th. And then back over to Slidell, December 10th and 11th. So... And I'm sure there's probably one more before the year's out. Oh no, that's that that ends the year. Yeah, Slidell's the last one of the year. So if you only need... have to drive in Louisiana three more times this year. We're talking about the roads in Louisiana are great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're so smooth. Uh so yeah, if you want to get a rack or a cage, see Robert uh, about that and get it there, get it pick it up at a show. Yeah, come check show. out our new cage. Yeah, you did a forty gallon breeder. So the same footprint is a forty gallon breeder tank. Mm-hmm. but in a cage, in a PVC cage. Yep. So if people have 40 breeders and they already have stand for them and they want to chunk the glass and go to PVC, yeah. it'll fit exactly. Or if they have a shelf full of, you know, shelf full of them, it's the same height, weight, uh, weight. <laughs> it's not the same, not weight. same weight. It is way lighter. Yeah. Uh, so it all fits in there really well. And uh, I made one and sold it this weekend and the guy's already given me feedback that he right. loves it. Yeah. He's a tortoise breeder. Yeah. I don't know who gave you that great idea about doing a 40. So I'm bringing three of them this weekend. So, some uh, genius had that idea. But anyways. Yep. It's John, John Grant, I'm pretty sure. It's not John Grant. <laughs> Fuck John Grant, that was me. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea because people are used to certain, there are certain sizes that people are used to in their head. That's like uh, when people start throwing out some tub sizes because not all tubs are called the same size and it gets very confusing when people are like, this many courts. And I'm like, well, Vision doesn't do that. And Vision's numbers don't <clears> always <throat> match the court on the, <laughs> it's confusing. Like yeah. I use a V70, but that's not a 70 quarts. It's not 70 quarts. So no, I get that every day, just about. Yeah, people, people are, are like, used- "Do you have FB fifty fives?" And I'm like, "You mean a ARS fifty five or a FB 40 <laughs> They're same thing, but they all decided to com- make things super confusing. By there's not everybody uses the seventy. Yes, everybody uses the ten. Just just go with what Rubbermaid originally had court sizes, and everybody was used to Rubbermaid court sizes. It yeah. was great if everybody else was stuck with that, and but. So yeah, that's that's one thing. Everybody gets the size in their head of what they need, and they don't realize that other things are called something else, and it's the exact same size. So the forty gallon breeder cage, I think, is a great, great move. Um, so check that out. Also, give a shout out to Wiregrass uh, Exotics over in Ozark, Alabama. Uh, he's still, I still love this board that they bought us. But if you're over in that area, need feeders, go check them out. Uh, our giveaway this month, also, our giveaway is Colossal Constrictors. We're gonna have Colossal Constrictors on next week. That's that's he, they want to buy us pizza. That's the oh, that's right. Remember, so we're getting pizza. Sorry, my brain. That, that's the night I don't have to cook dinner. <coughs> it's like legit marked on my planner. Yeah. So Colossal Constrictors <laughs> is doing a giveaway. Go over to our Facebook page and you'll see it pinned at the top. All you got to do is tell us your favorite tool in your snake room and you're in for the giveaway. We are giving away the Redline Science scrapers, which I used mine last night while I was cleaning tubs. Did you see Doug? Doug's comment earlier. Yeah, he said he loved his because uh, for scraping the crack. And I said that seems like that would hurt worse than toilet paper. That is true. Oh my god. 
Y'all, yeah. I deal with this all day with my third graders now. Like, you I, just don't. I love Douglas Ray Watt. Hey, in case I anybody didn't know, Katie teaches third graders. <laughs> do you teach third graders? Or oh, my God. Started? They're so bad this year. Really? Could, First day of school, I had one making hand gestures. <laughs> and when approached and asked, what are you doing, babe? I'm eating a hot dog. <laughs> yeah. Like, you it was eat not a eating hot, hot dog, dog and twist your hands like that? Yeah, you got to take it out of the bun. I'm like, mm, no. Normally, I'm putting it in the bun. but Let's, uh, let's go find our school counselor and get get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Oh, Great first day. Oh, I did it with her out because Robert, Robert surprised me at the show. Um, yes, fell, I knew about it. It has fallen against Robert's chair. It's behind him. It is my, my He built me a sign. It's a Simply Serpents on it. It's a PVC sign with acrylic letters. It looks awesome. I realized after I packed up, I did not take a picture of it on the table. <laughs> I was like, no, Shit. but he, he had a picture of it. He, he posted did. a picture of it. He did post a picture of it over on his we'll page. share it. So, all right, let's go ahead and get to our guest this week because I'm sure our guest will have a lot to say about everything. But let's get to our guest. It is, oh, pull up, pull up. there it is. It is Sean Bradley uh, of Bullshit. Funny. How's it going, Sean? <laughs> bullshit. Bullshit. I was like, it's not, not bullshit. bullshit. It's bullshit. It wrong. <laughs> like, I did say it wrong. <laughs> Look, all right. You okay. guys just get to sit there. I'm pressing buttons and trying to figure stuff out and trying to talk nah, at the same time. I have time. to teach eight year olds how to use a computer. We get it. You have okay. third grade. We get it, Katie. I'm struggling. I'm drowning <laughs> the active today. Active producer. I don't know how you do that. I really don't know how you do that. It's, I could manage. It's hard and I get no respect. I could manage. I think he's talking to me. Not you. Not I'm you. talking about the third grade. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about the third grade. Someone appreciates <laughs> me around here. Yeah, you. I'm doing your job over here too. So, you know, I'm not really. I'm not really feeling it. You know, I got a fake background at least, but it whatever. looks fabulous. I don't have to hang too. my sign. I could like just like in the last few minutes before I did the show, I threw that bullshit thing on there and blurred it out to where it didn't look so crisp. I thought it would look a little bit more. I was gonna ask you before screen. we started. I was gonna ask you, is that like a real background or is it a green That's screen? Just a green or? screen. That's so just cool. Green screen. It looks nothing, very cool. Nothing special at all. Well, not, not all of us can be special like Chris Eaton and do a big old wooden background. Oh, yeah. look at that. How fun. That's fancy. That's pretty the cool. Wall is, the wall's under construction, awaiting my router being running. As soon as the router <laughs> runs, the wall goes back to work. Nice. You know, that's it. The green screen was just a simple way to start the show that's without having cool. to worry about making a whole background after doing all this other shit. Because when I got, when I sold the fish store a few months ago and I came to this building, this building was a fucking wreck. I mean, oh, can we curse on your podcast? Absolutely. <laughs> Okay. I don't know about that. All right, that. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. John, I don't like Chris Eaton would joke that I don't have any snake racks anymore to put behind me like you do to, we have uh, a book know, shelf. to share Mr. Feely's comment. I don't know if you share comments, but we do. Yeah, yeah. Feely, I'm not sure. Feely, I'm not Mr. Fancy Pants with a green screen. Yeah, right. Well, it's like only fellow podcasters watch your podcast to keep yeah. ahead of you. Is that it? <laughs> That's funny. Fuck off, John Feely. So, yeah. Only one um, podcast in Texas. <laughs> Yeah, ball shit, by the way. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, Not now that bullshit. we have a YouTube Not channel, b- I might as well plug it, right? So, yeah, check out ball shit on YouTube now. So, um, ball shit's one of the first reptile podcasts I started listening to. I started listening to From the Ground Up, which no longer exists. And then okay. NPR. Who was that? That was um, Joe Phelan. Joe Phelan. Uh, he did that for a while, and then I, started, I listened to NPR, more than Python Radio, which now they've got a whole network and like 7 million All podcasts. Right. And then I listened to yours. Those were like when I was cleaning my snake room. Ah, cool. Those three podcasts. And that yeah. I told you earlier. It's that no, I haven't really checked intro. into what Morelia is doing. But yeah, I've heard that they've got like a whole network going now. Oh, and they've got a ton. 
Yeah, I think um actually I was talking to Warren Booth last night. Oh, yeah. And Warren said he's doing a show with Keith McPeak. I don't remember. And yeah, Rob Stone. That's it. <laughs> yeah, Keith McPeak. Yeah. And Rob Blood Stone. It's, it's Boas, yeah. Boas, Boas. Uh, and who? Rob Stone. Yeah. It's an all oh, Boas podcast. Yeah. I listen to That's pretty gay, but awesome at the same time. <laughs> I listen to their first episode. <laughs> but it's okay. Today. It's okay. Boas are a chick thing. I always joke about that. Boas are live bears. I can't deal with live boas bears. Boas are chick things. My entire snake is. I don't do good with women. I don't do good with boas. My entire snake room is boas. I'm totally going to call wife, you out on that shit boas. later. Yeah. Yeah. No? yeah. I'm cool with Would that. She have I don't have to incubate shit, and I love it. Nine Dubrals boas now? Yeah, but you got to be. Like, let's level. Let's level for the public. You do not have the success with live bear, live bearing boa constrictors, not live bearing Kenyan sand boas and shit that's like colubrids that have live birth. Not that. But actual boa constrictor, you do not have the success that you do that you would per tub with egg layers, period. I don't Hands know. Down, no doubt. I've never ha- Every time I've put a boa to breed. He, he's talking about financial. Financially? Oh. No, 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 no. no I don't mean fi- No, no, no. Oh. No, I don't necessarily mean financial. I mean the live bearing issues. I've never- now with the boa. Stillbirth and premature and With the and boa constrictors, and- not the Kenyan sand boas, not the rosy Correct. boas, Mexican boas. We've had better luck with our boa constrictors. Yeah, this my house than anything else. My now, I will tell them. you, we are on a nice, even plane here in the country for boa production, I do believe, where you guys are pretty much the same weather as me. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Right? We're not far. Like, for the public, we're five mm-hmm. hours by car. I'm in probably six, within six hours, I'm sitting. We both live in an armpit. It, it is. <laughs> at, at there. Right, we do. We live in a sweltering place that happens to have a winter. That's kind the of. only sort difference. Of. But if but if you it but it has just enough of a winter yeah. to cause severe pressure changes. And that is what makes boa breeding in the southern United States so much easier than in the northern United States. Oh, I agree. States. Oh, I wait yeah. for I wait you for know. rain when, it, but, when I'm ready to breed and I wait for rain to come through. I'm good. But if you right, you wait for a rain to breed, you wait for a rain to produce. You know, you go by old Jeff Ronnie stuff. Like when I was a kid, I mean I love that Jeff's still in the industry like big in the industry right yeah that he stayed like very pertinent throughout but like you got to realize i grew up when jeff ronnie (laughs) being the rack building you know always chasing the dollar guy that he is he put out vhs tapes when i was a kid like he would send you'd have to send him money in the, of course, it was Jeff Ronnie, right? You didn't need to do shit without you sending him money. He didn't even send you a price list without, I mean, I'm pretty sure a self-addressed stamped envelope got you a price list, but you might even had to send like a dollar for the price list. I don't even remember. But for the video, you definitely had to send money. But it was him, he would video with a camcorder all of his boas giving birth every year. And he would make such a big deal out of how many times it happened when it was raining and how many times it was raining outside and he could tell they were distressed and he sprayed them with water and then they gave birth. Right. So like the earlier days of people using camcorders to document their productive abilities with these snakes, I think made a huge difference like in my career and thus in your careers, because it all flows downhill. Right. And a guy like him showing me, Oh yeah, it happens when it rains. I didn't learn that from that blue book that I shared on my podcast the other day. Who did Rex and Cages first, him or Animal Plastics? Oh, him. Well, uh, no, who did Plastic Cages first? Like, I don't really know. Like, I can tell you, Jeff did the first heat bent cage. Gotcha. Period. 
the first guy to take a quarter inch piece of PVC and outsmart the rest of them and roll it with the heat bender into an efficient box that was cheap because he could match vision's price of $200 shipped for a four foot by two foot cage. And anybody that was doing that in the last 20 years was winning period. You know, I mean, you're talking about like seriously competitive. I just bought, I got actually, that's not true. I was given 10 vision model 400s. I believe they call it. It's 48 by 24 by like 12. It's a, it's like a boa cage vision used to sell. Well, they still sell it. If you go on their website now, a model 400 is over $400 in from 2000, maybe two till maybe 2003 till 2006. That cage was $200 shipped. $199 shipped. And the six footer from them was $299 shipped. So if you thought you were making a PVC cage and you were getting any sort of edge in the market, you were not. You know, Scott and Dave made sure you are not making a fucking nickel. Now the guy with the custom cages business, I, and obviously China price is going up. I mean, Robert knows as well as I do with the price plastic shit. I bought a stack of plastic in my other room came from him or from yeah. his, you know, connections, yeah. right? Um, so we both know the cost of plastic, right? Mm-hmm. He made a little money on me. I'm making a little money on the people I'm selling it to. It's all a process, right? So... When, when you were stuck, like you had the guy with um, the only other cage builder with with that with um, injection molded cages like Vision was, he's still around. Um, showcase cages. Oh yeah, I remember those. Right, and they have like a denty old nice outside like framework and stuff to them. They're much prettier of a cage. Like if you're gonna put a stack of cages in your living room as a grown person, uh, and you care about style you'd buy a showcase over a vision pretty much any day of the week, you know? Uh, But all the showcase cages were made with heat light boxes and all this extra shit. Like they were, he didn't have enough money to make fucking like, you know, a hundred different models. uh, Cause Robert and I are cutting cages up and making uh, as well as focus cubed. Who's in your comment section. Uh, Love with you guys do, by the way, stalk the shit out of you and talk to you (laughs) extensively about routers months ago. And thank you very much for your information. I just didn't. Yeah, they made our sign behind us. I was going to say, we have one of of their cages in our living room. Yeah, the style is great. The way he's designing everything in Fusion and Busting It Apart is all working for them really well. I love the whole thing. Like, the whole brand is good. It's just you're limited to what you can make, right? I mean, at the end of the day... You're making what a machine can make and what a couple people can put together. And when you're dealing with companies like Vision, who's importing containers of already finished cages from overseas, how do you fucking work with that? You know, like, how do you work with ARS? Just importing just containers of metal racks, like just tubs. Oh, well, we'll buy the tubs and the tubs are we sell them you for seven dollars a piece. You resell them to your customers for fifteen dollars a piece. They really cost us two dollars. You know, or whatever it is at the end of the day, especially I, I, the new designs. I just met yeah. with a, I don't know if I want to say, yeah, fuck it. I just met with a, a vacuum form company and the price that it will cost me to have them made blew my mind. 
how cheap it is. Cheap wise? Yeah. Well, that's vacuum forming. Two injection moldings, obviously, a step up from yes. that. From like, and vacuum forming is the way Freedom Breeder and them started, dude. <clears throat> like, if you look at the old boa cages and mm-hmm. the old, that's all vacuum formed stuff. That's okay. not, you know. So, for those of us who mold. don't know what that is, what is vacuum forming? You take, you take the plastic and it's heated and then. It uh, like suctions it, it sucks into, it into shape. shape. Yeah, over you a mold. suck okay, it cool. down yeah. around a mold. Right? Okay, gotcha. Right. It's done in one thing. Oh, you can think it? about like a kitchen sink, in other words, being, that makes being sense. stamped. Mm-hmm. Being okay. stamped out of one flat piece of metal. This is basically the same thing with plastic. It's just heated so that when they when they stamp it, it bends, right? So like it gives like metal does. Gotcha. It creates malleable plastic that you can form. Now, the problem with that, as Freedom Breeder discovered long-term, as I discovered long-term, the corners are very thin. Yes. Okay, you end I was up just about to ask that. Right. That's, yeah, if you remember the old, molded, the old Freedom ahead. Breeder tubs were that, like, yeah. uh, it was kind of a, it was started out white, so it would turn yellow. And then uh, it yeah, was, it would turn it, yellow. It would, it would definitely turn I, yellow. I said it wrong. They're, they're injection molded are they? tubs. Oh, okay, okay great. With, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, in that case, then, absolutely, I'm sure it boggles the mind. But then when you look at a rack company that's, like, making their own tubs, why wouldn't they make a killing off of everyone sure, else yeah. making a rack for their tubs? Yeah. You know? And when AR, I can, I literally could go in a filing cabinet in the next room it would take me minutes and I'm not going to do it, but I could pull out the, uh, the data sheet, the original structural sheet that ARS was given by their pr- plastics manufacturer in China of the tub that Brian Han walked around the tables at shows Daytona and his own show when he had an indie show. Um, I imagine he doesn't have a show anymore. Uh, that he would walk it around to all the vendors and be like, are you interested in a tub with a bowl holder built in it? And he comes to my table and I'm like, Brian, that's a brilliant idea, but let's redesign this tub. So it's fucking nestable. Let's use the dog croc mentality and let's nest plastic bowls using the slanted sides, same deli cup, deli cup has a slant. It all works with you. As long as you have a swedge, you can make a nestable tub. And he didn't make a nestable tub. I love Brian Hahn. You did a thing. You took a thing and you you made it cheaper. That's great. But you didn't revolutionize the thing further enough. You let the original inventor revolutionize it for you. And that's what's sad is here we are. Well, now he's got them, apparently. I think ARS has nestable tubs now. He does. But, dude, if Robert, if you had seen the way ARS tubs came to you 15 years, 10 years ago when I was ordering by the 100 lots when I was building my own PVC racks, fuck, dude, the bottoms were so warped because they stacked them on the bowl holders, and then they'd cinch them down the pallets and put them in a hot container. And so by the time you got to plastic, the bottom was all. So if you didn't have a rack with rails on it, oh, you were fucked, bro. Like I had tubs that were like literally waved like that. Like I don't like they would jam up in a rack with rails even because of the design. And that's what I told him. I'm like, dude, you could have stopped that in the fucking beginning. And it's not like you didn't have somebody like me and probably two or three other people. I'm not saying I'm the only one that said that. It was a room with 700 vendors in it. I would hope somebody else said it. If they didn't, then they weren't looking out for Mr. Han. That's funny. But, yeah, I, yeah, now he's kind of caught up to it. I but it took to the, him fucking a decade. I went to the Bofile Plastics page. I haven't been to their their page in forever. It's the exact same it's been for the last 20 years. <laughs> Bro, you know what's hilarious, man? If you go to the fucking Audubon Zoo in New Orleans, they took the reptile building 
because they have this big Louisiana pine snake project, which yes. is it's beautiful because, yeah, I mean, I'm down like it's a badass species. I'm not going to lie. It's a fucking killer species and it I've needs to be protected. And that's great. And, and they probably if you have the lineage on them, they probably go right back to where all, everyone from the Audubon Zoo that they're working with. Oh, no, mine, mine came right out of the wild. Oh, they did. I know they came out of your side of the wild. Well, there was a guy that in that area that collected them all when he still could, and then right, and then has well, it's Theron. Theron made. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, so ultimately, Theron is the is the is the 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 reason that there's (laughs) right. The the reason the species is probably on the map is is Theron. Right. I mean, I agree with that statement. You know, I've known Theron for. Decades. He's right? a crazy I mean, dude, but man, he can breed some Louisiana pine snakes. Only crazy because he married this crazy woman a few <laughs> years ago that was psycho. That was one of my customers before he even met her. And I like when he met her, I was like, dude, somebody needs to tell Darren. Somebody needs to give Darren my number and be like, hey, call Sean and ask him about crazy ass. I don't remember her name, but she was fucking nuts. But married, divorced, that pretty much they that already flew to coop. But Theron has done more research on them than anyone. And honestly, everyone at the Ottoman Zoo is like Theron's documented shit. But back to what I was saying, you go to the reptile building, they cut a fuck. They, they move some rattlesnake cages. Cause they have like this fake rock work section of rattlesnake yeah. cages in the back end of the exhibit. And it's funny. Cause you got to go through the venomous exhibit to see the breeding room of the Louisiana pine snakes. Cause they took the very last exhibits that everybody would just, go to the nearest door and leave the reptile building. They had two doors. They had one before you go in the venomous end and then one at the venomous end, right? So before you went into the rattlesnake section, you could leave if you were like deathly afraid of shit, you know? So people are always exiting the first door, not thinking, oh, I'm going to look at, most of them by the time they get to that point are so sick of looking at reptiles. They're like, take me to the elephants, right? I don't know what that's so, like, man. I don't either I like because that tends the- to be the <clears throat> building I gravitate I to mostly because it's fucking air conditioning. Like, it's air conditioning and it's all the way on the right, other side of the beautiful zoo. Beautiful inside. It's-, it's dark. It's wonderful in there. <laughs> like before we had a nocturnal exhibit again, it was the fucking nicest, smoothest place in the zoo. Now it's not because the nocturnal exhibit's right up in the front again. <laughs> Unlike the reptile exhibit that they still have in the back of the zoo. But Anyway, they cleared out a whole wall and they caught a hole in the, in the fake rock work that was so pretty and cool and full of all kind of weird rattlesnakes. And they put a fucking giant acrylic window <laughs> to a back room that's filled with boa file cages filled with Louisiana pine snakes, all with labels. And all most of the labels say majors with a number next to them. <laughs> most of them said like majors number this year that majors number this year that <laughs> like it's it's crazy nobody in the zoo knows what the fuck that means but me right but but a few of us that walk through obviously what's funny but, is if they really wanted to save pine snakes just send every single one of them to theron and he could breathe the ever-loving <laughs> shit out of them right exactly i mean i kind of avoided buying them over the years because i'm like i can always call them yeah. <laughs> like there's so many things i own that i'm like oh really christmas mountain gophers i want them i want to <laughs> buy them how much are they okay i'll pay it you know theron wants to sell me i'm like i'll get next year yeah next he had, year he had a female once lay 11 eggs and i was like that's freaking insane for louisiana yeah he's snake. good at, he's good at what he's got there yeah he's good at that species for sure he's got it nailed but yeah just back to the the caging thing too though yeah. he just kind of brought us on that tangent but boa file cages are there you know and i can tell they're boa files by the way the turn locks oh, look yeah. and the way they're heat bent and i'm like you know what jeff you had a good goddamn cage there man 
because I got a heat bender in the other room. Because as soon as my ex fiance that did all the boas back then was always with Jeff, Cecilia and Jeff and Pete and all them boa people used to all run together, right? I mean, they all just meld regardless of how new or how old, how popular or how non-popular you were. You were just a boa person. You were just in the fold, right, with them. She was in that fold, and she was like, I want to buy some boa file cages. And I'm like, I'll be damned if you're going to pay Jeff for some plastic. We can buy a fucking Piedmont, <laughs> and we could bend ourselves for half the cost. And we did. We did it. for. You could build the cage completely done for 90 bucks, completely huh? finished. A four-foot by two-foot by 15-inch cage. Yeah. So... Yeah. I remember, so I went to Daytona. My first Daytona was 05. And I just remember at the beginning seeing the Freedom Breeder. The big cage there were Freedom Breeder. And they I mean, they took up that whole, like, nook at the at the show. Oh, yeah. Well, them and Nerd had the whole room on the side. That was yeah. their deal. Like, him and Nerd had the side room. That was their their room. I remember seeing those going, you know? I'm going to have those one day. I never actually got them. And now I'm like, eh, I don't. I, I kind of like the PVC. The, the PVC came around. I was like, I like the way that looks for, for me, for my boas and all stuff like that. I think it works really well until you get to the commercial side of it. And then you really have to question how yeah. you keep these animals, but it's not about how you keep the animals in the cages, how much you keep the animals around your animals, meaning animals, meaning your employees. Like when you get employees and you step into the <clears> commercial <throat> realm, bro, you want your employees climbing metal racks. You don't want your employees oh, yeah. climbing plastic racks. Oh yeah. If, if That's I'm, it. If and I'm trust doing... me, employees are going to climb racks. Like when you're not looking, you can put cameras on them all you want. <laughs> They're going to fucking climb a rack. I mean, it's yep. no different than any other trained ape. You know, it, they're going to climb a rack. Sorry, but it's plain and simple. It's just convenient, bro. I mean, you'd see me climbing PVC racks when I could still climb. I mean, before I was paralyzed, you'd see me jumping up on my racks all the time. But I knew where they were strong. I don't trust my employees to do it. They'll do it on a one without a tub underneath it or something, you know, yeah. on an open shelf, right? And I was cracked the fucking shelf. I had to take the whole rack apart just to fix it, you know? I'm not doing that. So, you know, steel has its place. But honestly, dude, the only way it had its place for me, I hate to say this to my friends in steel, but was sick fucking deals, bro. Tim Bailey and I, would we bought a 5 by 12, 6 by 12 trailer with a side door to put nothing in, just to drag to shows, just to buy the deals. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, NARBC did one Houston show at the Reliance Center. It was a fucking nightmare. I've heard. They did one show one time. Any of you go to that? I never went to I wasn't here at the time, and Robert wasn't really into reptiles that much back then. Right. This was probably like 2015, 14. No, this wasn't. No, this is way earlier. Shit, I was walking. I imagine the no, law. The this was like 2010 pain in the butt too god it was well no the reliance center was a joke i mean first of all the parking was insanely expensive for everybody that went i mean it was a nightmare like it was just a nightmare and in the middle of the show now granted the center was huge and big and fancy and stuff right in the middle of the show the fucking plumbing backed up and the sewage started flowing out of the floor in the middle of the goddamn thing right by my tables of course i was across from <clears throat> kevin at nerd none of us did business okay this is when Jeff was running Freedom Breeder, when his brother was still up in Northern California fucking doing whatever fuck Jesse was doing, right? I mean, he wasn't even part of the company, right? Uh, his brother, Jeff, was a part of it, and his Jeff was redesigning all the cages, all the fancy new cages. So Jeff sent one of his one of his helper down the way to the store. We filled up the top 
row of the Freedom Breeder rack with ice and beer, and we just had a rack full of just cold beer that nobody cared, right? I took both of those racks home with me that weekend because they didn't sell a fucking thing, man. Like, NARBC drug everybody there because it was NARBC, but it yeah. did not perform at all, bro. Kevin kept joking about the fucking shit coming out of the floor because it stunk, right? Because it was a sewage, you know? So, Nerd was right across from me, and he was dead as hell, mm. and he was like, I'm kept... He was really being funny. Like, we had too much fun at that show because we had nothing to do, dude. Like, y'all ever been to a show you've been so fucking dead? Yes. That you and... Yeah, that you and your neighbors are Gosh, like, answer that so let's fast. just fuck off and not care. <laughs> Like, yes. so, you know, Kevin McCurley and Kevin McCurley's antics, like Kevin and I are revolutionizing reptile shows right here. Like this is a, this, there's people standing around watching us just because of our bullshit. We're talking about a motorized bale that we attach our tablecloth to that. We like hit a button and lights go off and the, the tablecloth flips up over the display and you have like five minutes of a shopping spree to name what snake was where and how much it costed exactly. Just turn into a game And like show. to guess its weight. <laughs> and we were like going to have these middle of the show, like hit the buzzer and have the light go whoop, 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 you know, so everybody in the show would know. We we're basically making our booth shoe carnival, right? So anybody who's been to shoe carnival will spin the big fucking wheel so everybody mm-hmm. in the store gets a deal, right? And that's what we were doing. We were just so fucking bored. Kevin's given me nothing but hell about crop dusting his table, like walking by and farting in front of his table because mm-hmm. it smells like sewage in there. We're not making any money, but it's a beautiful convention center. The lights are on, the air conditioning. Like none of the other shit you'd ever bitch about at a Repticon is going on, ever. There's no flies in the building. The AC's on point. The lighting is great. But could you buy a oh, rainbow f- vacuum and some gutters? Because if you can't buy Fuck, a rainbow no, vacuum, no, it's an NARBC <laughs> show. I don't think they have that. And if they do have that, it's like the Chewy booth in Daytona. It's at the very back of the show and it's absolutely deserted right i mean i'm so you know if y'all saw that photo because i didn't go to daytona but one of the photos i saw that's stuck with me was that wayne actually let chewy set up a booth there oh, i didn't realize that yeah they were in the very back of the room like in the in the old room so where we they, used to be they I mean, advertised the last- this one as like the biggest one and I saw pictures of it. It's not nearly as big as it was. No, in no, like- no. You saw half the pictures. Apparently, the other building, the regular room that it's in, was jammed up. Okay. Like, apparently, okay. basically, Wayne so there basically, were two rooms. Wayne basically took every application he got, from what I understand of it. And at this point, like, Wayne's gonna let me back because he's old and he's gonna freaking forget who I am, <laughs> unless he doesn't. I don't. I don't. Sean, it's I don't memorable, think he's but- who you are. No, probably not. So I might as well do my Wayne impression, right? You're like, Sean, <laughs> Sean, you can't talk about my show like that. You know, I've done so much over the years for everyone here in Florida and everyone in the reptile community everywhere in the world. I have the biggest show in the world. It has been the biggest show in the world forever since it was not even a show. And I sold every table that I had room for. In fact, when you called me and I told you I was sold out, I was going to call you the next day and tell you I happened to have one table available for you. Next to the bathroom. Because if we look at that picture that you saw, that there's definitely room for one more table. Is there room for one more table, Wayne? Oh, no, we're sold out. I'll tell you what. I'm going to add you to my wait list. And then happened to be in then five days, got back to you and let you in the show. So it is what it is, right? I love the man and what he's done. It's not his fault. Florida has legislated the fuck out of us out of the state, right? It would still be a great show. show. Yeah. Because we'll be honest, like, you've been there to Daytona? 
You've hung that out. That was where at we Daytona. honeymooned. Yeah, we honeymooned. Uh, yeah, fucking when, right, man. Oh, fuck. fuck everybody up the East Coast that thinks it's hot in Daytona. No, no, no. It's hot in New Orleans. It's hot in it's, fucking Houston. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. hot around the Gulf of Mexico. It is not fucking hot on the Atlantic seaboard. No, no sorry. There's an ocean breeze. And mm-hmm. if there's not, you're too close to the hotel. Move a little further towards the beach. Yes. And you'll get the fucking breeze. Because I tell you, I'm in a wheelchair, and the last time this wheelchair worked on a sandy beach was fucking never. And I enjoy <laughs> the shit out of the weather there. And I've been there like six times in a wheelchair. So it's much better than Tinley. Tinley's a crapshoot, bro. It might be raining. It might be, oh, it's always fucking windy. It might be cold. The problem with Tinley is once you're, at the, once you're at the venue, you're at the venue. Like at Daytona, we used right. to go and we would like, because we'd always go eat lunch at uh, Johnny, Rockets. Johnny Rockets across the street. Sure, you can go to Johnny Rockets, you can go to Bubba Gump's, you can yeah. go to the strip clubs across the street, you can walk to the so fucking strip, many strip clubs. <laughs> the good strip clubs, too, not even Biggins with the pregnant bitches down the road, <laughs> right? Like, because Biggins with the pregnant bitches down the road is not the place to go. I've never been personally to Biggins, but I know Biggins at Biggins. And I don't know necessarily they're talking about big. They're I not mean, talking about like Chris Eaton style biggins, right? They're not talking about that style of biggins. They're talking about, you know, but eight month, you know, <laughs> third trimester-ish type shit. You know, she may pop definitely out. not first trimester type she, shit. She may climb know? the pole and pop it out right there on the floor. Maybe so. And name it Lucky. I don't know what you name it. Mazel tov. Throw money Bambi. at it. Name it Bambi. Anyway, yeah, Daytona is the hangout spot. So while I I fault Wayne for moving it from Orlando with great airports and great lodging to Daytona with horrible transportation and very limited lodging, (laughs) Uh, even though lodging is up and down the beach, but whether or not you want crotch crickets or not, depending on whether or not you stay at the Mayan next to the hill, right? Like spray it down with Preventamite beforehand, (laughs) you know, spray it down, go to the show, come back, sleep. There you go. Um, But it really, Chicago is not the best hangout spot. And the hotel has not been the most conducive to us. It's been, I can't tell you how many years they used to have the fucking paddy wagon waiting in the lobby, right? Like after the auction would end on Saturday, the police would come and they would park the van right in front of the fucking hotel doors. And whenever people would get rowdy, out in the door. Tim Bailey and I almost got arrested. And I almost got arrested one year for having a tavern in the lobby. Because I had an ice chest that was better stocked than the bar. And the bar had a limit of 100 people, the little sidebar, before they extended the bar at Tinley. Yeah. It was this little room on the side, dude. And it had a sign on the door that said limit 100 people or something like that. Dude, there was like 600 people in the room. So when the cops came and told me I couldn't drink my drink outside that room, I asked them if they could call the fire marshal and have him come tell me it was safe to drink in there. I, uh... He was pissed, we went to though. Tinley once. We went to Tinley in 2019. That was the year they decided to put people in those little rooms, and it did not go so well. They so when little you go rooms. so when you oh, go in vendors yeah they put vendors rooms? yeah down the hall oh god yeah, yeah no, you had to go down the hallway did that? there were some Ooh, people that left on Saturday some vendors that said fuck it we're not because they weren't getting anybody in there mm, that's not good I can't believe they did that but okay yeah they showed them in those little that's rooms crazy. It was bad. That's bad. That's just bad show. And at the end of the day, a show promoter's job is still to the people that have catered to his show for that many years, right? So, like, that was a big complaint about ours. And, and and again, just name drop guys like Tim, who had done shows like Tin Lee since they started, like, 
since not since Tinley started, but since they started. Meaning, like, dude, they done Tinley since like two thousand five, six, yeah. seven, right? And like, and you go and you go and you go and like, you're like, oh, they're gonna build a bigger center, and you're like, oh no, <laughs> it doesn't mean they bring more customers. It means they bring more vendors, you know. And that's what ultimately Daytona looked like. It looked like a dilution of client base, you know. And so the people that did good did great, and the people that didn't do good did bad. And like I had a friend, a, a mutual friend of all of ours with Hognose go and do very, very poorly. And oh, uh, that is not a species that should do very poorly. I was going to message him today and ask how it went. And I'm kind of glad I didn't. It didn't go well. It didn't <laughs> yeah, go well. Send him a message he right he did better at Herps. He does better at a Herps show than he did in Daytona, you know. But he <laughs> also attributed it to a large Hognose breeder there ditching stuff cheap. That's the problem with some of those big shows. Yeah. And some of those old guys. Yeah. Right, like it's uh, not just big shows; it's old guys. That is it's old I just guys sent him a like, message. You got a morph said, market account? What's morph market? <laughs> I just sent him a message. I don't know. Said, I thought that was a ball python. Heard, heard you killed it at the NARB NRBE this weekend. So we'll see what he says. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Well, yeah, that's we talked all about it on the podcast, right? So that's because I mentioned his son on my podcast the other night, and he hit me up last night, and he was like, "Dude, you mentioned me on a podcast." And I was like, "Yeah, I called you a fucking useless fat fuck." <laughs> I was like, "What did you think I said?" You know, it wasn't anything negative. You know, I was just be telling people a joke about what your kid said about my <laughs> handicap plate years ago. It was just something which stupid. was hilarious. But I'm yeah, not lie. that's right. Oh, you're really? I was awake. Oh, I was awake for that period oh. of the podcast. I tend to sleep yeah, in the car when he shit. listens to podcasts, but I was awake. Yeah. Oh, you were awake for that one. Yeah. So that was that was just a funny thing that blurted out a little Tristan's mouth. You know, kids say the darndest things, but it's funny. Yeah. But yeah, it. it it just uh it sucks that you go to a show like that and you're you know you go to shows and guys like chad fuchs years ago would go with hognose and make like 60 70 thousand dollars on a friday yeah you know i mean it was not even funny and now uh, i don't know it's just it's a crapshoot because when you have that event a, a venue that can hold that many people and you don't have the client base that you had 15 years ago because i promise you there might have been more vendors in this show than any Daytona ever. Back, but there definitely we went, wasn't more constituents. We went 05, 06, 07, 08, and 09. Oh, God. You saw the heyday. And man. I mean, that, it was. <laughs> you saw when they were in, in the bathroom, bro. When, yes. when you were in the hallway on the side and you were like, I killed it. I fucking killed it. Right? Like you you guys yes. were just saying about the people in Tinley Park being shoved in those side rooms. Like, well, I was going to say the hallways back then used room. to get business. <clears throat> yeah. Because it was cooler in there. Because the bathroom was there. I remember because the concessions were there. Now, when they did the upstairs thing, when was that? Remember that? That was. You remember that because to, you were like, was, you were there for that. That was 08, that was like 09. 06. That was 06. I remember we that. We had to go upstairs to see the Venomous stuff. No, that was the first year. They yeah. got rid of that show. You know okay. what? You're right. Because it wasn't quite. Now, you got to remember, Wayne bumped me to the small, to the back room by the glass after Katrina because I, I never got my renewal. Like, I never got my, but our mail was fucked for months and months and months for Katrina. Like, there was things that banks sent me that I still never got. Yeah. You know, certified things, too, you know, but, yeah. No, 05, when we, the first year we went was the last year they did the hot show there. Mm-hmm. That was, in, you had to yeah. go outside and go in a different room. But, no, I remember have the right. upper, like, mezzanine area, and I think they brought yeah, you that was that a, way. Yeah, that point. was a train wreck then. Yeah. You know, the upstairs was a train wreck, and people were like, why am I paying for... You know, and that was the funny thing. That was what I was starting to say. When he bumped me from my spot that was right across from Pete Call and Ben Siegel, which was a prime oh, yeah. real estate in Daytona. It was like in that dime. It was prime. 
when I got bumped from that spot to the back room because I didn't get my paperwork in because of Katrina, you know, um, the pre- the previous year, you know, it, it was really detrimental. So I brought the kitchen fucking sink with me that year, dude. So 06, people were like, bro, where's Sean and Celia? Did they not come? And they're like, no, 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 they're here. They're in the back room and bro, you need to go see it. They fucking brought everything. Cause like every holdback we had, like I had like a fucking 2000 gram female lavender albino when you couldn't buy a lavender albino. Like they were like 20, $25,000 a piece. And she was already grown and she was sitting in the case. And I had like high tech boas when high tech boas were the only Aztec morph that we made first. They were like 15 grand. I had high tech boas in there. I had like moon glow. The first of there was world's first in those cages. And that's what I did it for. I did it because Wayne stuck me out there in a fucking nosebleed and I had to get people to come. I'm like, how the fuck am I going to get people to come out to this back room? It was deserted. Burke Reptiles was in that back room because that was when Tom and Amanda first started vending. And I was like, fuck, I've been vending this show for five years. I shouldn't be here with the noobs. You know, I shouldn't be here with the noobs. And the very first time I vended that show, you know who my neighbors were? Pro Exotics. Oh, really? And I was in a back room. And you know what? I was like, what the fuck? I don't. I just don't know if what reptile shows fuck? will ever be like that again. Because even like no, they so, won't. Someone to Tinley and everybody's like, oh, "This is crazy." I'm like, "This is nothing like it was at Daytona no. back in the 2000s. Well, no, because you you remember diversity and stuff, and you don't get diversity anymore. That's true. You get diversity in on Florida show and a California show only. That's it. That's true. Because the Daytona back then, it wasn't. There were ball pythons, but it was like ten of y'all with like thirty thousand dollar ball pythons trading them back and forth with each other and then there was a bunch of other shit there well yeah and justin kabilka walking around buying stuff yeah like that that was the kind of people that brandon bokey justin kabilka ben rennick um you know the sloan brothers we talked about them pre-show i mentioned their name pre-show you know that was all very good economic stimulus from like oh three through oh six seven you know that was all the big spenders like where you're like oh yeah this is the stimulus we need but you You still had a whole lot of other stuff at that show that wasn't oh, all yeah. pythons. Like but, I, I wasn't walking again, past every table skipping. Florida, right? So like where Tom Crutchfield is bitching people out for keeping retics in cages. If you saw that on Facebook the last couple of days, I chimed in there with my own little spell. But I don't also believe that these snakes should be kept outside on fucking wire either. But I didn't get into that with the old man. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> so it is what it is. Antoine in the house. Uh oh. Yep. Um, What's up, Antoine? So, yeah, big man. Dude, Look, he's everywhere, a bro. He's a fucking superstar. They don't blew that dude up. What's up, Antoine, or fuck Antoine? I said, what's up, Antoine? No. <laughs> but fuck Antoine. No, I say fuck <laughs> Antoine. Yeah, fuck <laughs> you, Antoine. It's been a year since he beat you. Calm down. Yeah, fuck you, like, fuck you, Antoine. You hit a guy in a wheelchair? Come on. Oh, so okay, so I thought about something. Earlier. When, <laughs> when listening to your episode with Chris Eaton, you talked about yeah. wanting to do uh, podcast episodes that were more species-specific and more about the yeah. history and the science. And, and Chris shut you down on that and thought it was a horrible idea and that he doesn't think people want to listen to that. I think I think I think tons of people want to listen to that. Well, I yeah, I think the thing is Chris is thinking of the uh, the fanboy type people, the ones that and this is not a not a jab at Antoine because I love Antoine, but there are people <laughs> that follow Antoine because he's got a big like they just follow or the ones that follow he has Ka- a big fan base. They follow Kabilka, awesome they guy. follow right. Brittany Gobble, and they just and those people all deserve it. But those are not reptile people, right? They, those are people that got into ball pythons and then found the big names of ball pythons and they're following them like like a fan and they attach themselves to that sure yeah. then sure. there are the people so if you listen like over on the NPR network those are those are reptile people they're doing episodes about oh, yeah. the history of carpet pythons and of different like 
species, that's a completely different niche. So I think there are yeah. definitely people that would want to listen to the stuff you're talking about. I just don't think that's the people Chris is <laughs> Chris is aiming at or talking to. Look, I love Chris, and Chris has the boob tube. Everybody knows Chris is the boob <laughs> tube. It's fine. Somebody's got to be the boob tube. Now, I will be the non-boob tube boob tube because I'm not misogynistic and shit. So I have the women of reptiles that don't like that shit behind me, right? So I have some sexy bitches too. I just don't throw them V-neck shirts and make them take pictures. Although I love Chris and I love his photo. I think I love how he's promoting. He's moving a lot of stuff. He's he's getting downloads. He's exposing the social side of this industry, which I think is very important to put a person to a person, right? Uh. What? He's, what am I looking Antoine at? Antoine says you have the ugly Reading ones. Antoine shit. He says you have the, so ugly, the ugly ones. The ugly ones. Yeah. Hey, the ugly fine, ones they love Antoine. too. Hey, Antoine. you know what? It's fine. I, I'm just glad I that just not like a to lot keep of people the women watch and ours. send me pictures <laughs> privately. Because I may or may not be in pajamas already. So I'm just really <laughs> glad that people don't watch our show to watch our show for me. Because that's funny. They, Bless well, them. I just think it's a different. It's a different base. Completely different frame of it now snakes and the fat man might not be the most appropriate name for it sometimes but i think that it definitely does what it sets out to do and i think it hits that dead on the point i think it dead hits it and i and it, like he wants to call it a dick and fart podcast right dick and fart jokes it's podcast. a very entertaining Chris, podcast and i love well, listening to chris it's an entertaining podcast because it allows you to level with people in a different way yeah. right like ways you wouldn't level the them at a show, and not everybody can do that. And, and Chris gets away with it. a lot of shit. So people give Chris shit, but there he is, yeah. right there. He gets away. Yeah. With, look, he gets go. away with saying shit that we can't say. Called and they want their discussion back. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay, fair Antoine, enough. I, mean, I like James's cleavage too. <sighs> I like for it, you know. But but look, at the same time, it, there's not a lot of people that can deliver that. And again, I think Chris does a fucking great job. Yeah. And that Zoom calls is the same shit. It's the same <laughs> shit without the recording, without anything that's presentable no to the industry. And I love that. There's no proof of it. I, 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 it got a little wicked the other night. I'll be honest, it got a I little crazy one, the yeah. other night. Yeah, you missed that one. That one, that one got a little sterny. Well, you we'll and I, you and stern. I got in trouble because we started talking about snakes and like Daytona and the old time, and then everybody's like, oh, "This right. is boring." And I was like, "Oh, no, that's it." And my it, bad. Wait, wait, wait. But Antoine chimed in on us that night and said that he liked what we were talking about. So my, you know, my bad. And, and you know, whatever Antoine likes, most people like, right? Right. Fucking Antoine. Fuck you, Antoine. <laughs> All right. Let's just level with it, right? It's just it's 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 meat and potatoes. So, um, yeah, I, I think that. The podcast that I could bring you is something people can bring you. And I think that most of the people in my day that can bring you that podcast either are too reserved, too busy doing ball pythons or other successful things with their life, um, which could be a dig on me, however you look at that. Uh, it's definitely a dig on me from my perspective. But I do think I've been around for a lot of shit, man. Like, I watched the wheel get invented and stuff, kind of. Yeah. You know, I wasn't well, there. I wasn't there for the first Orlando when Brian Barczak was there for the first Orlando in 1989. I wasn't there for the very first show in, um, in, in, in yeah, there's 10 people watching this right but now. But Chris, I'm okay he with that. have a fine point. Yeah, he is fine pajamas. with that. No because he sent me the promo link this. this afternoon. 
Right. In all fairness, he sent me the promo link this afternoon. I, so yeah, I don't do I, this I, reviews. I do this just so I can talk bullshit once a week. Well, then definitely don't make a promo link. <laughs> <laughs> you should have a Zoom call, and you should have Chris involved because he brings that kind of heat every every other week in the Zoom call. But but yeah, I think the the podcast world is very well stomped, and I don't think it's stomped in this way at all. I don't think it's got history. Well, there is a, well, there's a lot of older stuff that like we've talked about. Before. I mean, look, it I can talk history of carpet pythons with Nick Mutton. Yeah, but. I want to talk history of carpet pythons in the commercial sector only because that's what I know. I don't know the zoos. I don't know zoo strains. I only know a few zoo employees. I can only name drop a few old names from San Diego or wherever. This isn't a dig on mutton, right? And I used to joke, not with Nick directly, Nick with Nick indirectly by way of bullshit podcast. I used to joke that I would have a podcast called mutton with mutton, where we talked about all the carpet pythons and all the crossbreeding, <clears throat> you know, and that's what we would call it. But, but because it was a very apt name for a species, predominant species that come from a country where they're illegal to export and they don't have enough value to smuggle. Therefore show me a pure one because I can show you diamond pythons from 95, 90, 98 that came from the Barkers yeah. that definitely were not pure diamond pythons that were definitely not. So like when we look at the history of them, let's talk like the history for real. Like let's go back to who really stole them and brought them here. The magic let's portal in Germany. Them. There's that magic portal in Germany that somehow. Gets... Yeah. Well, the magic portal in <clears> Germany <throat> by way of Canada, by way of Casey Lazic in fucking Washington state. I mean, like, oh, it's, it's like, where did all the Australian species come in? Oh, man, they came, so, didn't come in Los Angeles. There's two no. things I've seen. And, and I remember several in years ago. Canada got walked across the border, dude. One of the, the rarest Australian reptile breeder in history and the rarest dart frog guy that I knew in history years ago lived up there. Well, I remember seeing math. Uh, melanistic blue tongue skinks pop up on YouTube once in America, and I'm like, well, those weren't fucking here before. <laughs> I remember seeing them in Australia. And yeah, then and then sure. in Tinley or in Schaumburg, one of them recently, they uh they had white ones, like leucistic ones. I'm like, well, those weren't here before. So I feel like this conversation really goes into the question that you posted on Facebook. The things that are yeah. underrated? Yeah. So yeah. that was the question. So Sean uh gave me the question says, What's the most underrated species you feel needs more time in the spotlight? And there were several really good answers. Good, um, I want to hear them. So let's go through go through these things. There were some Hopefully really like, ball pythons. No, not ball pythons. We there were some good. lengthy answers in there too. And then like people started networking with each other in some of the comments. It was well, really great. Elizabeth K. Nash said any dry marcon, which I have to say, this weekend I held my very first Texas Indigo, which was just cool to see a snake look at you and be like, fucker, I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's okay. cool Let's snake. talk about a ten foot shitter. <laughs> it's a lot of shit. Okay. But it's still there cool you snake. Go. Done. 10-foot shitter. A rat this big goes in, this much shit comes out. That's pretty much it's, it. I got Pituophis for that. It's and a I super colubrid. Permits. Right, it's a super colubrid. Right, if you want... Yeah, if you want to not do Asian rat snakes pissing and shitting all over you and making you smell bad, yeah, dry mark on. I, I absolutely agree with you, but the main ones that people want are illegal to own without a CBW permit. Yeah. And that's the killer there. So, I mean, we got a little bit of a regulation there, but yeah, I'm with you. You're welcome, Darren. That's yeah. what I'm here for. Anyways, 
Uh, Ashley, Ashley Howdy for Focus Cube. She mentioned it in the chat. And I was just about to mention hers because this is one that I fucking want. Said Sanzinia. And more specifically, green Sanzinia. None of that nasty ass burnt yellow brown stuff. I don't want them. Are they still Sanzinia? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking. They remain here. Sanzinia? Yeah. Okay. There uh, was some spout like they did Boa with Dumarils. There was some spout about them making them Corrales for a while. No, they're still Sanzinia. And they, uh, the problem is, and you hear about it. So green ones are expensive as fuck in the U.S. You can find the Mandarin phase ones for an okay price. But if you go to, I hear right. you go to Europe, there's green ones everywhere, and it's the other way around. I'm like, just ship those damn things over here so I can get some at an affordable price. Well, therein you end up with a CITES conflict. I know. You end up with a country that doesn't really export a lot of stuff legally and a country like ours with a CITES that's run like a fucking steel trap. Well, see, that one drives me Same reason we don't have Fijian iguanas, bro. Fijian iguanas are right across the fucking border. Yeah, Yeah, they're right across the border now. They're just a matter of time before Fijian iguanas make it here and they can't do a fucking thing. Or can they? Because that's the thing. Australian reptiles aren't endangered. There's no CITES backlash from them, right? They're not endangered yeah, they just don't because want they their never ship them legally. Yeah. Right. So once they're outside of Australia, you can't do a fucking thing unless you catch them in transit. What are you going to do with a country like Madagascar, a country like New Zealand, a country where, uh, like, in New Zealand or Fiji? That, that is the case in point for the Fijian iguanas. The Dude, we could have bought them from Europe. You don't realize I petitioned... Jeremy Stone petition, like several people petitioned for the allowance of Fijian iguanas to come into the United States to CITES whenever CITES did like the the document, like when they did the master file thing where we didn't have to file old school anymore. They made it easier on us to ship. Yeah. Like they, it was when, when CITES, when the U.S. Fish and Wildlife recognized our trade as being like internationally fluid. Right. Like we'll give you paperwork where you can actually do this and make it reasonable, not tell your clients to have to wait nine months for a permit. Right. Like you can do it immediately. That's when CITES got fucking tight as shit. And he was like, nope, unless you can show me where the Fijian iguanas left Fiji legally, I am never going to let them in here. Well, what sucks about Sanzania is that. When Madagascar does open up every however many years when they do open up, yeah. you can get any of the hognose species from over there. They ship, you'll see those things ship in like crazy. And I think it was right. Uh, um, Kathy Love, when we we're talking, they don't about, have that many trees left for the tree boas well, to live in. See, Kathy Love was telling us that there, like there's several, Nicaragua. there's a lot of them over there. I think it was Kathy. She said there was a lot of Sanzinia over there. When's the last time Kathy Love's been in Madagascar, bro? I don't know. That's probably Let's been be a while. Honest. But, but I still think I think that. It's crazy that you I can't get Sanzini out, but you can get everything else out of there. Kathy, but when's the last time? It's been a long time. It's been probably 20 fucking years since that bitch has been in fucking Madagascar, dude. <clears throat> but I won't Sanzania. I agree with Ashley Howdy. They've cut down a lot more trees since she's been. they cut down a lot Sorry, trees. well on that. Uh, they cut down some fucking tree. It looks like Nicaragua over there. It really does. It's fucking horrible. So Daniel Cruz. Like, really, you should be- let us catch every reptile from there and just tell people they're not from there no more. Well, like we should just find some place in the Everglades where all the Madagascar. Maybe we could import them. If we could import them, they'd realize they were worth money and they'd quit cutting down the forest because they could raise money off of just selling. They're never going to quit cutting down the forest, bro. They do a song and a dance to grow it back. (laughs) Any any society that does a song and a dance to do anything substantial like that is not going to be saved anytime soon. That's true. So Daniel Cruz had a list. She said, uh, Chihuahua geckos. Yeah. 
Uh, Chihuahua guys are all right. I, Chihuahuas? Uh, yeah. There bull, could be more Chihuahuas, sure. Said bull snakes. I think bull snakes are doing pretty good. I see a lot of bull snakes at shows. Uh, I'll hear speckled king snakes. I have a speckled king snake. You have several of them, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm always surprised they're not more common in the pet trade as a pet, considering it's a snake from our country that is yellow and black, and that is pretty fucking easy to keep. It's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, it's pretty easy to keep. So I'm yeah. s- I'm surprised I mean, that's not that last one I got has turned into an asshole. Really, they've they've yes. they've also fell their way into very common snakes. I mean, you've got an albino, you've got a white side. Is the white side a real white side? Is the Berkshire a real white side? Like which one's the real white side? Man, they're really creepy. To well, me that's the problem with kings. Is a lot of kings got mixed. Mm-hmm. People yeah, mix a lot of kings. Okay, mutton with mutton, <laughs> and kings are perfectly legal to trade in, bro. I mean, let's be honest here. Kings are perfectly legal to go collect more of. And Daniel okay. Cruz also said any candoya, but I I love viper boas. Um, candoya is feeding issues. Yeah, that's the problem. Is that's is why the you're not going to see them mainstream? They come out so damn small, you know? and getting them pretty to eat. much everything that's mainstreamed is mainstreamed out, with exception to mutations, right? Like, um crested geckos and things like that that are just now starting to see some like vast mutations yeah i think um, we had a. Uh, um we talked about house snakes a couple episodes ago i think house, house snakes, snakes will... are great i think house snakes are very underrated especially some of the like the auroras and some of the other yeah. species that are stellar looking and they're super they easy are, to feed like they eat no problem not easy to keep though really i've got one they're not it's... easy to keep the they're one. not easy to keep when you breed them them babies, bro. I got rid of my blacks because we couldn't keep babies alive. I tried really? dry. I tried moist. I tried in between. We tried every Grace tried every fucking thing like four years running and just non-successful. Huh. So just move on, <clears throat> you know. Like I like the house snakes a lot. We used to work with a lot of um just regular African house snakes, just a regular one, and um, we did really well with them. And then they started to morph a little bit and. It's like garter snakes, you know. It's a snake that could easily mutate into something huge. It just never does. Yeah, you know. And then uh, our buddy Seth said uh, fat tail geckos, but that's because he sells fat tail geckos. So shut up, Seth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and fat tails <laughs> could use more limelight, but they're not productive is, as a leopard, I'll not productive as a yeah. crested. You know, so they're gonna fall out. Chadwick Osborne said, "Funny how things are." Any skink or a gamma. Problems, all that stuff's wild. Agamas. Whoa, stop. Agamas, period. If you're going to keep bearded dragons, why wouldn't you keep so many agamas? I say the same thing you know, about. If you're going to put so much into that. I'll say the same thing about Chuck Wallace. I'm surprised that Chuck, Chuck Wallace don't get sure. more. And Chuck's had a very good place in the market whenever you had like a, a like Reptiles magazine putting out regular Chuck Wallace things. Yeah. Right? Because at the end of the day, what are people going after? They're going after what they see. I always used to get a kick out of being in the retail trade and people would call us up for hedgehogs like out of the blue you could have a hundred motherfuckers call you up for hedgehogs and you wouldn't hear anybody for like a year and then all of a sudden wham like do you have skinny pigs oh, fuck um, those things. why because <laughs> of the new movie that came out because the evil guy is a skinny pig right in movies new, do that shit to animals right? all the time i don't know yeah, how many dude, clownfish look, look, probably at, died axolotls. From Nemo. look yeah. at axolotls look at axolotls more axolotls died in the making of minecraft yes. than any other species <laughs> in minecraft who says that all the time james <laughs> yeah right. i say that all the time that there you that, go more that, axolotls that died is, in the yes. making of fucking in the making of minecraft than any other animal in minecraft yes. more anim- more more blue tangs died in the making of meeting finding dory yeah than any like clownfish are captive bred clownfish can be kept in a fucking gallon Clownfish can't, they don't require anything. Blue tangs are 100% wild caught, 100% wild caught. 
wild fucking captured. Every Dory is wild captured. That movie fell some fucking blue tanks, bro. <laughs> I mean, like, talk about fell some fucking trees. It, it fell some fucking tanks. So our buddy Jared Dole says frill dragons. He had one at the show this weekend. I held it. Did frill you? dragons are cool, but the general public wants frill dragons to look like the dinosaur from Jurassic Park, and they're just not going to do that on a regular <laughs> right. basis. Right. You got to just piss them off, yeah. right? There's only a certain amount of people you're going to allow to have a rubber snake near the cage. You know what I mean? <laughs> And I mean, that's just mean, right? Like at that point, it's just well, like, that's like the, the people that buy that buy a male beta and then put a mirror on it and go, oh, look, it makes it fluff up. Well, yeah, he's right. fucking stressed the whole time. That's stupid. Yeah, I have a male beta and I keep the light off on the tank. And then when I turn the light on to feed it, he sees his reflection. He goes, fucking ape shit. I have to turn the light off just to get the fucker to eat. So, yeah, I'm not into stressing animals out for our own public display. It's just not not something I've been down with. Uh, Pierce Plowman said, opened up a zoo. <laughs> Pierce Plowman said, Calabar burrowing pythons, but technically it's Calabar burrowing. Bo was just giving you some, but anyways, uh, yeah, I totally agree because I love snakes that live in the dirt, so I love Calabars. And as soon as yeah, Calabari are cool, rubber boas, if we're going down that road, I've got North four of them American in the other room. Type, I love my rubber know? boas. Uh, yeah, rubber boas are amazing. Pierce also said, African rock pythons. I'm going with no. Absolutely not. Fuck, people don't need that. Absolutely not. They just don't need that. Absolutely not. Python Sea belongs in Africa. And then then Pierce said blood pythons. I guess blood pythons have their spot. They're they're, they're a cool one. Well, yeah, bloods could use more spotlight. I, I definitely agree with that one. Let's focus on that one because I think of all of them you've mentioned to be extremely commercially viable to make a lot of fucking money. I think that's one right there because the variety at and short tails in overall general. okay red bloods have buku morphs yeah. okay borneos have quite a few blacks have not enough um they have an albino blood if you can get it pure and stuff you know i mean it's all good again this is a keith mcpeak area yeah. of expertise so i'm sure that i hope he goes into that a lot say so matt Minatola makes show. those what does matt Minatola? it's those extreme uh, marbled or extreme yeah you know, extreme yeah marble borneos extreme yeah, marbles are, ultra crazy. brights brights and ultra brights from from tracy's old lines and stuff there was a guy that worked for tracy to develop most of those years ago it wasn't actually her snakes at all he left and he left some snakes behind and she just more or less claimed it but yeah i mean he's he's out of the industry now but um but yeah that whole ultra bright line was killer and the thing is is red bloods are fucking vicious but the other ones aren't at all they're yeah. naturally pretty tame. And I mean, that's one thing they got a lot of bad rep. I mean, and I'm one that. I Red mean, Bloods only, though. Red Bloods only. Only Brogger's yeah. my. Curtis and Britton Stein, I's fine. So I, I could definitely see short the short tail complex in general uh, yeah. being a bigger that thing. Needs, that needs a giant banger because I think that it, it suits a lot of people, too, man. You don't have to clean your cages that often yeah, they, when they have they, magnanimous shit. They shit and piss like twice a year. I mean, they shit and yeah. piss real well, a lot a when they do it. I mean, it's an absolute cage restoration you're not gonna bioactive a blood but at least not an adult blood yeah you know i mean you could bioactive a juvenile blood but you couldn't bioactive an adult blood there's no way Corey martin said i think that they'd get rid of it Corey martin said apodora which would be a cool one because it's a big snake that's not a big snake i mean it's big apodora is the pop one python not the pop one carpet oh okay but the all right a liasis i'm sorry Corey. i come from a different gender yeah it used to be yeah so uh, I come from a liasis of every fucking thing that wasn't Morelia, <laughs> that wasn't Chondro Python. Yeah, got thrown in. Was liasis. In there. Yes. Period. So hey, is it a shitty Indo Python? Yeah, liasis. 
like that. We stick it in it. Just stick it in the closet with the rest of them. We only care about green tree pythons and Australian pythons, and that's it. Everything else can fucking eat it. The yeah. Abadora is cool. I've seen them. They have a weird face. This like bulldog looking face. It's yeah. all squashed up, and they get long, but they don't get thick. So they give you a big snake without being a huge snake. Corey, I could give you that as a cool species, and I'll give you a North American, or I should say, Central American counterpart: the black milk snake, a giant snake that's see, awesome. That's Robert and I say cool. that all the time. That we're amazed that we don't see you those. Just don't more. see them. Yeah, you don't see them. I searched for males for years and couldn't find, and finally people found them before me. I have, I had three female vert, like, well, they weren't virgins. They all laid twice. In the other room, I'm down to one now. Well, we talk for about a friend of mine's male to be ready. We think one of the issues is they just don't start out black. If they started out black, they would have caught on like black kings. Dude, all you needed to do was go back in history and look at the cost of them. That's why they never caught on, bro. When tangerine hunter and milk snakes were seven hundred and fifty dollars, and black milk snakes were seven hundred and fifty dollars, people just weren't buying black milk snakes when they were buying tangerine hunters. Yeah, and black milk snakes never went down in price, so people just never were buying black milk snakes. Now you put a guy like me in front of a camera with an adult black milk next to a Mexican black king snake, looking puny as fuck. Oh, people yeah. are buying black milk snakes, bro. Big old thick Period. black milk would sell. It's just like you said. And you I think the onogenic change is spectacular. I think I it's just as spectacular as a green tree python. The ownership. I just I always tell people, don't get a yellow one. Get a red one. Get a red green tree because red green trees go through so many more colors than yellow ones do when they change. It's such a cool owning experience there to Paul, not own a yellow green tree. Paul Taylor says he only saw five black milk snakes in all of Daytona. Which is five and that's more surprising than, that's, that's you saw five yeah. black milks in Daytona because if I would have went there with money, I might have left with all fucking five of them. Yeah, I mean, that's Next more time, than I've Paul, seen. Give me some information on who, who fucking had them. I haven't seen any at a show were. in a long time. Um, oh, Jared. Also no, but you us. won't see Andean milks. You won't see Costa Rican milks. You won't see black milks. You won't you won't see any Central American triangulum because focus left yeah. the building, bro. Might I remind you? That I was one of the first people to sell fucking Casey Lazic ball pythons. And the day that happened, I told Celia, we need to get as many non-ball python species as we can. Because this fucking shit is nuts. When a guy like Casey, who I thought would probably never trade Australian pythons for painting the walls, got into ball pythons. I'm like, ah, fuck it. It's done now. Yeah, right. I had to make room for ball pythons. Shit's gonna go downhill, and species are going to get rare as fuck, right, dude? I could tell you that, like, I'm pretty sure Brittany Gobble was one of those people that was walking around the Arlington show when she was nobody, and was one of those people that was like, "I love these Angolan pythons." When I'm like trying to give them away for 175 to 200 bucks a piece. Damn, I wish I could buy an Angolan for 175 bucks. Right, but because of guys like me, we had to bring it all the way down to bring it back up. Yeah. There was nobody producing them when I was trying to bring them back up to price. That's another So one. every year I, when we'd make them, we'd just sell them for more. I'm adding that to this list. I think it's already on Angolan here, pythons. But hands down Angolan pythons. Especially since it's the missing link between the species you're one of your bonehead listeners that mentioned African rock pythons mentioned. <laughs> it's the missing link between that bonehead species and ball python. Yeah. Because if you look at an Angolan python, it's structurally amazing. It yeah. is the only snake non-venomous like itself in the python family in Africa that has keeled scales in the greater pythons, not being Kenyans, not sand boas, not being 
beaded scales like that having having that beaded scale feel it's also got a ball python head but it's got the spinal structure of a malurus yeah and it moves like a ball python right a ball python has a spine like a blood that goes to a point a burmese has a divot in the middle of its spine A, a a malurus a sea bay a berm an indian a selenese they all have it they all have a divot in their back and the Angolan has the divot and it flattens its body out like a berm or an, or so you have the, like, why in the fuck is a ball Python and an African rock on the continent of Africa and no tweener. That's your tweener. Yeah. And that's the only tweener there. It's fucking miraculous. And I think more people should own it. And I think if you just literally brought it to a reptile show and explained it just how I just did, with the spine and the head of the ball python and the scale. Dude, people are like, how much? How much? And it doesn't matter how much. You you just say, 1500 a pair. Okay. 1700 Okay. 2000 Okay. See, and Angolans, now we're at that point. Angolans sell now, but the thing is, I think a lot of people are selling Angolans outside of the show. They're, they're not making it to the show with them. Oh, they never make it to a show. And that's the problem with shows now, too, dude. When you said shows would never be what they were before, no, they will never be what they were before because of the internet. Period. Yeah. That's all. Now I will say the one thing we talked earlier about, you know, the older guys going in and cutting prices and, and, and everything. I think one thing like morph market has done is made it where the newer people are like, Oh, this is the price. Like if I check morph market it is 350 bucks. Oh, morph market saved our entire collective asses. Yeah. Period. Period. At the end of the, the, the King era of the same fucking website from 99. That, I mean, that's just why the same. you can go there right now. Yeah, I, and like I said on Chris's podcast, if I'm going to sweat that much, I'm going to have something to show for it. I, I'm not going to have King Snake to show for it. So, Jeff, you did us a solid in the 90s. You stopped fucking doing shit <laughs> when you made money. What? He got when his you started cool, making money. Cool sports you should have hired John Lehman. You should have been at MIT hiring the next fucking hot shot. You should have been in South Korea. I don't give a fuck where. Hiring somebody better than you are that did kingsnake.com that kept it looking the way it looked because it allowed us all to go to Facebook for free. And when we all went to Facebook for free, shit got destroyed and everybody started a group and each group had a different price for a different snake. And you get a snake that was half price in this group than it was in this other group. And then, you know, Wilbank started Reptile Ring and I joined up Reptile Ring because what fucking choice did I have to go back to Kingsnake? No way, you know? I mean, there was no way I was going back to that old model where if you remember the kingsnake.com ball python page, you could only put three ads a day and your well, ad and would if, roll so off you, the page in if you 20 went to minutes. It, yeah, if you went to it, looked at it, and hit refresh, everything's changed It again. was gone. Everything was changed. That's how fast it would roll. It was the worst site in the world to handle the traffic that we had. And the fucked up thing, and for one of my episodes, I'm going to get down here. Like down here on this shelf is every reptiles magazine ever made for like the first 15 years. And in like a handful of those issues, I have my friend and I had an ad for a software site that we developed in 1999 called herpexchange.com. And herpexchange, if you could go back to 1999, was the exact version of Morph Market now. Really? Not even the version of Morph Market that came out. The version that he's releasing now with your ability to track your collection and breed your animals and sell their offspring. We had all that, bro. 
we spent $7,000 on the software that was developed for the Beanie Baby industry. <laughs> it was a Beanie Baby website, database site, auction site that we paid the developer to reformat to reptiles. And it had the ability for you to track your collection because Beanie Babies tracked the collection. The only thing we added in there was the breeding aspect, that it would generate out numbers and stuff. It would do all that. And we advertised in reptiles for like six months. And we showed up in Orlando before it was Daytona. And we had a big fucking banner. Too early. And we had a computer. Dude, we had it. The Herp Exchange website was debuted at the first and only reptile show was in Orlando before it was Daytona, the biggest reptile show in the world at the time, in 1999 on an old computer with a regular CRT monitor. Remember the deep monitors with yes. the curved tubes? Everybody remembers a regular old CRT monitor. I have photos of that on the table still from us debuting that website. It was so fucking far ahead of its time. Maybe said, ball shit was ahead of its time. Right? Morph market is made. Maybe reptile so radio easier. was ahead of its time. So yeah, like, morph market changed it. It fixed it. It righted it. It's just a shame that we didn't have herp exchange in 2014. Yeah. You so, know? so let me get back but to our, our list. We got, our ass. we got this long list here. I'll try to get through. It real quick. Oh, you got a long list. So, I got a long list. Longer? Jared. So Jared Dole, he gave us like a whole list of things. He goes, uh, uh, Cuban false chameleons. I agree. Those are a cool one. Um, as much as I like chameleon chameleons, I think Cuban false chameleons, although not a chameleon, would be a good alternative to newcomers. Okay. Uh, uh, crocodile geckos, eh, green-keeled lizards, bumblebee toads. I don't know that one. Rhino iguanas. I think rhino iguanas are the best. Well, not rhino. Any cyclorid iguana. Cy Let's just yeah. go to cyclorid iguanas from iguana iguana to cyclorid iguanas. Let's go from a, a, an adult male that can be a pet dog to an adult male that's generally territorial yeah. and wants to bite your Green, face off. Greens were the worst option when it came to all of the iguanas. Other than albinos. Albinos are placid as fuck because they're blind. <laughs> well, so they are i mean that's why i bred albino iguanas they're fabulous amazing pets a full-grown male albino iguana untamed unplayed with you can walk right up to it over your head and it will not try to attack you it will not whip its tail at you it will not lunge at you it will not treat you at all like any other iguana iguana mutation will treat you well, any of the, like, I agree, blind. any of the rhino iguana or rock iguana. Yeah, those guys, that's great. He also not, put, not, not pectinata. You almost said pectinata, not pectinata. Not pectinata, not, you don't think so? No, not tenosaurus. That's tenosaurus, that's spiny-tailed iguanas. Those are not cool. Spiny-tailed iguanas can be friendly, but, like, in the way of, like, the banana pectinatas are genetically tame. You go up on a regular pectinata like that, bro, you're going to get fucked up. Okay, regular pectinata is a beast. A, a spiny tail iguana is probably the most aggressive of, in my opinion, Ty might disagree. But then again, Ty would probably pick up bananas and be like, bananas? Yes, Sean, all day long. Every other pectinata, no. Um, bananas are naturally tame. But tenosaurus, gotcha. um, that whole genus of iguanas, I would not put with cyclorids. Cyclorids are almost where black-headed pythons are to me in the realm of they have no real fear. Yeah. Like, they're not really fearful. They're like, bro, I'll fucking own you. I ain't afraid of you. <laughs> Play with me if you want to. Feed me by hand if you want to. I mean, I'm not going to try to bite your finger. I might accidental. But now, like, a black-headed python will never try to, like... And that's another thing. Black-headed pythons are hard to hatch, but they're phenomenal animals. They, they're cool. They they're cool all, snake. You, everyone should own one. Everyone should own one or have... have the response of one that's never been played with. 
because what you could do is you could come in and you could open the cage and you could surprise one and it could just lay there. Well, depending on who you get it from, uh, Jim Sargent over at Split Rock has some of the best. His Swiss line ones are amazing. Oh, yeah. No, Jim's are the, the, the most phenomenal looking ones, but I'm talking about the way they act. Yeah. There's something about a blackhead because it has no real natural predators. It's just a reptile eating king of its area <laughs> that when you reach in to grab it, it will nose bump you, dude. It'll never open its fucking mouth. No matter how much you cage feed it, no matter how little you play with it, that if you get a black-headed python to bite you like a walma, I'll be shocked. A walma will tear your so ass up like a fucking you. brook's eye, like a cow king, any day of the week. Any day of the week. And that black-headed python is a polar opposite animal. So Jared Dole right, also said list. Burmese mountain tortoises, which I do want a Burmese mountain tortoise. I think they're a pretty cool one. They're not massive, but they get a pretty decent size. And they have a very good um, adaptation to most environments outdoors. Yeah. Just that's something that's key. You got to be careful. They're really good at climbing. So you got to. They're good at climbing. They're not a big digger, though, right? No. Right. But, but and, they, and they can deal with moist and dry. They can deal with a little bit of hot. But along with cold. them being on the list, I also tell people all the time, I think that uh, leopards should be more popular. Redfoot should be more popular. And sulcatas need to just. Go away. I love sulcatas. I have them. Sulcatas need to be dialed out from the ownership responsibility perspective. Uh, Redfoots, because sulcatas are so durable in our climate, that's what makes them the sticker. They're most productive and they're most durable. Now, redfoots are more durable for our climate, less durable for the West Coast. Leopard tortoises are less durable for our climate, more durable for the West Coast. Okay. Like, you'll go to a West Coast show, bro. You ever been to a West Coast show and looked at tortoises before? Oh, the Testudos. Oh, the Testudos come, like, crawling out of the fucking woodwork, bro. You want to see all the cool Greeks and Egyptians and all that neat shit? Got to go west for that because they all like it dry. Florida's just too wet. You just don't see that many Testudo breeders anymore in Florida. But, dude, I went... You go to a West Coast show and be like, "Wow, it blow your mind." Well, it's a shame. Sulcatas get sold like they're desert. Sulcatas get sold like they're a great beginner tortoise because you can produce. They produce so many of them. Redfoots are so much better. Burmese are so much better. Uh, Sulcatas are the worst. They're the worst diggers. If they could see out of their enclosure, they can dig. That's the one thing about sulcatas. You got to keep them blind to the outside world. So, I'll have to slightly disagree. I used to believe that until I didn't do it for mine. But what I did do is I gave them a giant bunker, a giant concrete bunker for them yeah. to go in. And it's dark, and if they want to yeah, go in. Yeah, you basically made a burrow for exactly. them, right? You, yeah, they, and that's really responsible keeping there, too. You know, I, if I was to do sulcatas again, I would do it here with hay bales, and I would just make a big prism out of hay Yeah, bales the people that don't give them a place to go wonder why itself. their damn tortoise dug under their house. I'm like, well, because you exactly. didn't give them a place to go. That's Exactly. That was where it was Yeah, and, and, and the seeing out is definitely a motivation for them a lot of the times. You know, yeah. I mean, and especially big females that are in a limited space to lay eggs. That Yeah, that I agree you with, know? yeah. Uh, Sean McCarthy said, I, I love how no crocodilians have come up. No, yet. those are not. I love how Cayman and fucking like uh, no. al- American alligator morphs and shit have. Sorry, Greg. Uh, we'll talk about that. By the way, bit. let's pray. Well, let's all hope for Greg. I think we'll talk way. about that in a little bit. I'll, I do want to yeah, mention that. Uh, Sean McCarthy said, Olives, olive pythons are cool. I guess that's, I mean, yeah, I well, you neat. mentioned Papuans earlier. Papuans cool. Yeah, I, I think you're, I think you'll need to know other similar but different. It's like the one thing that you've listed that I'm like, oh, I know what that is. And I'm not having to sit over here and Google shit because like. Well, everyone knows carpets. And there's, there's so many names. other cool. 
but there's so many other cool pythons in that area. I do think pretty much any of the pythons that are not. I don't know, oh I yeah, carpets, I mean, look at Bethrocolis. I mean, uh, ring pythons. Ring pythons oh, yeah. were in the '90s. You, you, they were the the heralded mecca of snakes. And then everybody you talked to was like, "I don't want one of those. Why not?" Because I love stay, that like, he shifted like, from like scientific name to regular name. <laughs> like I'm still gonna know what the fuck that you is. You know what a ring python is? Are the ones that start out really pretty bright. I'm Google it so that I know you what it is. They're orange and black. <laughs> they're beautiful. They're beautiful babies, and they are. Y'all throwing out so much. I'm just like, adults. it sounds like. Ironically, a it's the language. only python with the scientific species name is boa. It did. Is it really? God. Yeah, Bethrocolis Boa. Bo- uh, uh, like yeah. y'all are speaking of uh, John Feely. Fuck John Feely. But John he said, Feely. said uh, long nose. They are such a cool colubrid. They have lots of variation. That's a killer colubrid. It's so I, underrated. Get I do call John. I want to go Texas out west and find them. Texas long nose snakes. I've you know said, what I saw? We saw they this. look so fucking cool. Oh, they man, are cool. Texas we saw this at a show, and I'd never seen it at a show before. The vine snakes. Oh, vine snakes. Yeah. Yeah, Asian vine snakes. The problem with them is they need to eat a knolls. Yes, but I've heard that South like American that. vine snakes can eat frozen thawed they will eat frozen thawed so because that would be cool it looked cool there's a south american vine no what vine what vine snakes am i talking about there's a the uh, asian vines the ones that the asian vines those are the ones that that want to eat lizards or fish or whatever yeah Yeah, i got no clue what i saw but there's a larger south american vine (laughs) that will eat frozen thawed and that's the one i want that stuff's fun is that what we saw saw asian vines they're a pain in the ass uh will cunningham said rosy boas uh, because of their size, color variation. Now back to the night, dude. That was a huge thing in the nineties. Will that was a huge fucking thing in the nineties. In the nineties, mid to late nineties, rosy bows were hot, hot, hot as fuck, and you couldn't go anywhere without somebody having like tricolors, gray bands, mountain king snakes, um, and those. The problem you know, is that they was a bite. Is that is it, so like? Uh, well, they're. they're I mean, nippy. yeah, they're 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 more apt to be aggressive than like Kenyans. I think. Yeah. And of a similar type. Well, Robert, of you body. saw a post where someone was they had they had bought one for their kid or something, and it was biting, and they were they were surprised. It was everybody's like, well, because the pet store told them it was a great snake for an eight year old, <laughs> and uh, it was Maybe biting the shit out of their size. kid, so they were looking to trade it for something else. Yeah, yeah. So, but I I do love rosies as a snake. You just have to understand that they're probably going to be nippy. I've got four in the other room, and if I reach in to grab any of them, they're right. going to grab me. Um, and this is back like in the earlier days when like. Professional breeders, Stephen, Karen Osborne were in the spotlight, like VPI was in the spotlight, yeah. like all these old names from the spotlight. And they had these pretty colored price lists that they would send out. And granted, they had their own ability to steer the marketplace then, right? I mean, really. If you put out like a full, like if you repeat call and you put out a full color like flyer that people would send you stamps for, in other words, to send to them, you were able to drive the market. Like you were able to basically be like, this is it. This is what I'm selling it for. And you'd be crazy not to buy it because there's a bunch of other people that got this list just like you. And if you don't <laughs> you hurry, hurry up, up and get that off the list. Right. Because there's no pictures. There's no pick the one you want. There's send me a deposit for one of the ones and, and you I will want send you what I have. you want. Yeah. Right. And that's what you get. I mean, I sent Casey Lazic. $750 for my first pair of jungle carpet pythons when I was 17 and, and sent no, it to him no idea what they were going to look like. No idea what they were going to look like, but that they were going to look different. So I could tell them apart because I couldn't sex <laughs> um, Morelia back then. Well, I didn't have the balls to sex Morelia back then. Cause I didn't want, I was, I was really good learning how to pop snakes young, but probing snakes was something that eluded me for a long time. That See, I, didn't I can do probe. I can't pop worth shit. 
Right. Well, I think it's just the skills we learn. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, but but back then these guys had the ability to just really make you want stuff, and Rosie Bowes were on them on that. Miller Radovich so. also threw Rosie Bowes on this list. Uh mm-hmm. Carter Kruger said Amazon tree boas. Um, yeah, any Corrales really, cool. but they have their moments, bro. I mean, they they're finicky. They're heavily wild caught. They're poorly kept by importers. They're a lot of times sold at reptile shows where they're too far gone to do any good. For most That's the people. problem is they're a very imported species, so it, yeah. it kind of ruins it for some people. It'd be like bringing Brazilians back to the 90s yeah. a little bit. You know, Brazilians are another thing. Rainbow bows are another thing that I think is, um, and I want to touch on that real quick if I can. I love Brazilians. Um, I got babies and adult in the other room. Yeah, I was at the last show I was at. I was riding around with my daughter, as you guys see me do sometimes. And um, we stopped by a particular booth at the Herp Show. I'm not going to say which one it is, but they're always on the long wall. And they got the netting up over their thing. And and everybody, they're just buy and resell. You know, and I see a snake that I like there. And, you know, I don't normally ask them anything. But I see this corn snake. And I'm like, yeah, how much is that? I'm going to ask him. And I'm like, hey, man, look, I'm another vendor. Oh, I know who you are. And I'm like, oh, have you dealt with us before? Yeah, you saw me a bunch of snakes that died. I'm like, okay, let's let's examine this fucker now. <laughs> okay, so first of all, you're not going to do that in, to me anyway because I sold more good snakes to, than most people that are living have sold. Um, and I can say that with confidence over the years of selling thousands of snakes a year. I can do that, you know? Um but you're not going to do that in front of my kid and fucking get away with it. You're yeah. not because we don't sell bad animals to people. So I go on to ask this fucking guy what he bought from me, where he bought it, when and how. He bought Brazilian rainbow boas from me in Conroe. Now, this was the Conroe show where a Brazilian rainbow boa was stolen from me. So this would have been like the second Conroe show in history. Oh, that's a long time All right? ago. <laughs> a long time ago. This guy told me it was just three years ago, which granted, you guys know I haven't been to a show outside of Louisiana in four years. So we already know he's fucking out on that, right? So Sean walks up. Sean Gray walks up right when he's starting this stuff. And Sean's like, dude, he hasn't been to Conroe in forever. And if you're talking about the one where he had that Brazilian stolen, that was like the second Conroe show, first Conroe show we ever had. That was like 2015. So I had to tell a guy, I was like, first of all, we're at a show, which means I left on Thursday or Friday. I put these Brazilian rainbow boas in a deli cup. I drove them to a show in a great state of Texas that is hotter and drier than the great state of Louisiana happens to be. And again, they didn't have water. And these people bought these animals on the weekend. And it looks from the looks of them, they ain't all that good about breeding, right? (laughs) From the looks of them, they're just buying and reselling. Like they're going to show. What color was the tablecloth of this? Yellow. Okay. Yellow. Just that's all I want right. to know. Yeah, that's all. I Yo, need, I need us to get back on track. We are on track. Okay, back on track. So, anyway, but rainbows like these you, people. I've said before, you got to keep them wet, or else they will die. Go to tell me that I sell them bad snakes when we sell them Brazilian rain. This is why I stopped selling Brazilian rainbow bows at shows. Because by the time I bring a Brazilian to a show and you get the Brazilian home and you didn't water it Sunday night, yeah, it's gonna die. I thought tell you, the you ba- baby it. Brazilians are tricky. You've got you to keep them it. hydrated. It's terrible. It's awful. It's terrible. The adults are so show. much tougher, but the babies are. They've been out, you know, and it's like, and, if, and that's the thing. Like, we tell people, like, bring them out. As soon as you get them home, hydrate them. We can make a point of this. I've been selling Brazilian rainbow boas at shows for 15 years or more. Actually, now it would be more like 18 years. 
that I've been breeding Brazilians and selling them shows. And I told the guy, I said, you know what, dude? Back then, we got into high-end Brazilians so that people wouldn't kill them anymore. Yeah. That's why. Because you know how many $7,000 hypos I sold that people killed? None. Dave Collins did very well at Rainbows RS. I love Dave Collins. He's doing very well today. Yeah, he's still right. And he's still around, right? I mean, Dave's still around, and he founded that whole collection of animals he got from me and Celia. You know, and and I mean, like amongst other people, not just us, but a lot of animals from us. And it's like, dude, nobody ever killed some high end snake. No, we went to a show, and you didn't know what the fuck you were buying, and it's my fault. So here I am with my little girl getting accosted by someone who obviously did not know what they were doing at the time. And I asked him in turn, do you sell baby Brazilians at shows? You know what he said? No, I stopped doing it. Yeah, because they'll die if, if you don't. I'm like, what? Well, how come I'm a bad guy in front of my kid to you because I sold you a bad snake? No, sometimes you need to tell somebody like that that they don't know what the fuck they're doing or that at that time they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Maybe they didn't know what they're doing now. But back then, they didn't know what they're doing. And the last thing you do is confront a person like that. Well, and I agree that bad rainbows are an underappreciated one that should, that yes, I think. but you should you take incredible caution to how you vend them. Yes. Is what I was going on about. Uh, because that story sticks with me. Because Tom Burke, I don't know if you know this, but Tom Burke started in this hobby as one of the number one Brazilian rainbow boa producers in the world. And he told me, case in point. I stopped when they went below 350 because that's when people started killing them with impulse buys. Yeah, I have. Uh, I sold some this past year, but when I would take them to shows, they were in, in the in the display case with a t- like you normally couldn't see them because there was so much yeah. moss in there to keep it nice and wet. That's good. And I'd have that's to good. like we did not display then. that way because yeah. I don't think you have to display them that way if you're conscientious to tell people about soaking them and hydrating them and stuff. I just like, was we always worried are. they were going to dry out on the way but there and home. Be. That was always my fear. And so I, yeah. I kept them, but, but yeah, I sold. Oh, we, we know we kept wet, wet towels yeah. in there on the way there. Oh, we definitely keep wet towels and display on the way there. But talking about dropping below 350, I sold one for 500 this year, which amazes me because I remember when I bought my original mail. The quality's there, yeah. bro. I've got some in here that are definitely Bill Lamar hybrids that have Peruvian in them. You don't see Peruvians yeah. very often. That's that. The, I remember you I don't see, see Peruvians at, at all yeah. because they, they just don't, they don't exist. Uh, you've got Brazilians that are close. Just look for Brazilians that are really red. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, who's got them. Um, and I got these from him is, um, Oh, junior. We all call him junior fucking gecko guy. Oh, it'll come to me. But, uh, Kelsey anyway. Ross also said Antaresia. Uh, Antaresia. Oh, cool. well, yeah. I'm, that's, I, that's near and dear to my so you're talking heart. About right you now. like that one. Yeah, I'm big on Antaresia. We have children. I, um, I'm raising Stimson. I, um, spotted, you know, Maculosa and my crowning achievement is anthills. I'm very thrilled oh, about cool. my anthills. I had I one children's and it hated me and I finally got rid of it as much as I thought they were cool. They're pissy unless you mess <laughs> with them. My old girl is super friendly, but like you said, dude, she's 26 now. So. Yeah. Darren Watson said rough scale sand boas. I have rough scale sand boas. I think they're underappreciated. They're an awesome sand boa, aren't they? At the at the last Herp show, actually. Did you I got them from some Terry? trade. I did. I got them from um from Terry Uring. Yeah. Yep. Mr. Terry Uring Dixie Reptile. I have yeah. one from him. That they're an awesome sand boa. Those are underrated, and the Indian sand boa is underrated. Any of the sand boas that aren't Kenyans are underrated, yeah. especially the egg laying ones. Well, Saharans, Man, you can't fucking... That's so fucking or, cool. Oh, not Saharans, the uh, Arabians, you can't find. Those are the really cool, what look like a yeah. sock puppet. You can't find those anywhere. 
Yeah. Uh, this person uh, said, "Yeah, I mean, a, a, a boa that comes from over there that's an egg layer that yeah. rest of its genus is live bear. It's well, and it's the the Sahara, the Saharans are the ones that look like Kenyans, but they lay that weird ass egg that hatches in like fourteen days that you can kind of see through. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. And then the Arabians also yeah, lay an egg, they, they but laid it goes the longer. They laid the strange eggs because that's when East Bay Vivarium had those back when Celia, my ex, had uh, she worked for them when she was in college at Berkeley, and right after she left. Like the year after she left is when they proved that out and wrote the whole paper on it. Like nobody ever knew that shit on one of those species. Nobody ever knew until East Bay was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you know, it's pretty, in, it's pretty incredible that there's still things that we can discover in the private sector of this hobby that the zoology side of it hasn't done yet or hasn't made so public that the world knows it. In other words. Well, because we can put things in so many more hands and have so many more sure. eyes on it than they can. And so in so helps. many different settings and so many different, like, look, if dry is not working, we can try wet. If wet's yeah. not working, we can try dry, you know? That's where guys like Frank Reedus and them were, learned their real tricks of breeding these giant monitors and things like that was working at zoos where they were so fucking frustrated that they couldn't get anything done. They were just moving animals from cage to cage to see which one did the best. So that was that was our list. There was a few more other ones on there, but uh, that's most of the list. Uh, I do want to talk about. So it's a we pretty good earlier. broad list. Yeah, but no crocodilians no anywhere crocodilians, on it. No crocodilians. No, no large. No monitor horses. lizards anywhere on it. No, which nope. is a shame because I think Odatria need to be on it. I think I, think, I, like, uh, the, I, I really want Odatria Kimber is all dwarf monitors that yeah. follow the Goanna shape from like Australia. Kimberly rocks. I love Kimberly rocks. Correct. Yep. Kimberly Rocks, Ackies that most people know is the number one Odatria yeah. in pets. You know, it's the Acanthurus. Store Eye, Kimberly. Yeah, I wish those would catch on more than cheap-ass Savannah monitors. Well, cheap-ass Savannah monitors are farmed in cheap-ass Africa where cheap-ass ball pythons came from. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, <clears throat> the only morphs that have been brought in for Savannahs have only been the Amels, and most of them, if not all of them, died in a pro-exotic fire. Oh, really? Yeah. That sucks. Barshak's collection was there. But so we brought up earlier, we mentioned uh, Graziani. That that was all over yeah. Facebook. So um, I got a phone call from Daytona when somebody that I know talked to one of a woman that Greg used to date named Claire. And I haven't talked to Claire or Greg in many years since I did the podcast down there. Actually, it was right about the time he started seeing Claire and I hadn't talked to her in a while. But apparently, um, Greg suffered a bite a from pretty, a pretty a vicious gator. One. That was fairly bad, and I'm not sure how extensive the damage is. I saw a so. thing where it said they they had to amputate the limb and then reattach the limb. Um, and I've seen pictures. It looks like they've reattached it, and they worked on nerve stuff. So it looks like it's, uh, he's got yeah, the arm I, back. but Right. I haven't reached out to see... Bad pun. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I say them all the time in the wheelchair. Greg would laugh at that if he if he listened to this, I know. But, um, you know, I, I haven't really dug for more information on the situation because I don't, you know, it's just like my situation, right? Like, yeah. who wants to dive in there well, in the, the beginning? Like, anybody that doesn't know. People release info, they release info. You the know? general public will know him from uh, Python Hunters. There was the Python Hunter show on uh, National Geographic. Yeah. He was the general public should know him from, from cinnamons and pastels and yeah. a million other things that he's done in his time. And ironically enough, but newer people in the hobby probably my, know him from that. Yeah. And if you go back, if you guys want a killer, probably the best, probably the most fun 
miserable podcast I've ever recorded um, would be that one from when we were all at Iguana Fest number one. Yeah. And it's a recording of me, Dave Kaufman, Greg Graziani, and oh, superstars in the background now, which is an old reach out reptiles. Garrett. Oh, Garrett. Garrett's in the background, but we didn't let him get in there too much. We knew he was going to be a superstar one day, so we, but, uh, we didn't let him have his limelight. But that's a great recording, and Greg does cover a lot of his history in the in the trade, which I think is amazing because every reptile he kept all the way up until the pastel ball python was animals he caught in Florida that were wild, and none of them lived there. They were all savannas and Nile monitors and mangrove monitors. He had a whole photo album of exotic reptiles, and none of them. So speaking of exotic reptiles in Florida, I saw it was in Reptiles Magazine, and I posted over on our Facebook group. Uh, they have found cottonmouths now eating Burmese pythons in the Everglades because they found one that had a tracker. The Burmese python that they put a tracker in was inside the cottonmouth. Uh, so at least they're eating some of them. I was going to say, some of them are going away. Because Burmese bring you back to more Burmese. So many Burmese. I mean, no, really, g- give me that. Give me that tracker thing. What's yeah. that tracker yeah. thing like? That was their whole reason for so many it. berms bring you back to berms because somewhere there's a den of berms. Well, they probably watched the movie where Do there berms was a den live of- in dens. I don't really know. I'm like, I'm asking real legit hard questions here. I don't know what, because I mean, it, it had to be berms. a small berm. It couldn't have been a big one. They're called they- Burmese pythons, but that's because they're from Burma, not because they live in berms, in berms full of themselves. Yeah, I'd love to know if, that, if a tracker does a fucking bit of good or if when you caught the snake to put the tracker in it if you shouldn't have just picked that snake up and took it with you yeah just I don't, saying i don't know what data they were they were to get from other than this is where it went how much no it's traveling data they're just yeah. wondering how much it how far it travels over its lifetime that's what they're trying to do the migration the, data they could just say all. the Everglades. but again it travels remember the Everglades. these are the motherfuckers that said they could survive all the way to the ohio river valley Virginia. delta or whatever right yeah. and these things can't survive past jacksonville so they froze, you know, like, several years ago, they froze to death in the Everglades. They froze in the fucking Everglades. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, you guys in Houston, we're over here. It gets fucking cold in the boglands of Louisiana. And when it's cold here, it's wet here. And that's even, that's murder. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's just murder. Like, you can have every fucking snake coming out of the winter with a respiratory infection. That's heinous. You know, uh, I'm sure. That's the National Geological Society, the U.S. Geological we Society. We got an injunction against, mind you. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure Supreme Courts and such don't grant such injunctions on nothing. You know, I'm pretty sure we proved our case there. I also uh, posted a thing. It was done by the, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, the Pasaga River Rangers. But uh, they were telling people to quit stacking fucking rocks in the river like a goddamn hippie. They didn't use those words. I'm using those words. But they, they show all these rocks that people take from the river, and they stack them in these stupid things, and then all the salamanders and everything that live under them for habitat no longer have habitat, and they're dying because someone decided they needed to make a statue in the middle of a river for no damn reason. Mm-hmm. Just go out That's there, look at the river, and then go home. Don't. But this has been a thing. I've, I'm on a lot of like like fly fishermen things, and fly fishermen hate it too because they'll go out fishing and these people that go out hiking will do this and they'll find them and you just there's tons of pictures of people just like kicking them over but the problem is those rocks don't go back where they were and that habitat in the because if you ever look at like a fast-moving creek or stream those it's a very delicate habitat the way that is oh done. absolutely and so absolutely like, these big salamanders that are living under these rocks live there because they can't live out in the open with the fast-moving water yeah it's like a catfish in its hole type thing yeah you know, more or less right so I mean, it's gotta it's gotta have that spot 
and it, people are out there fucking with that spot. Yeah, it's one of those. It. If you go out there, go out there and enjoy nature, and then fucking go. Like, just get out of there. Yeah, don't don't mess with. Well, shit. I mean, I want to touch on something based on your question that you had me ask yeah, everyone, go ahead. right? Because I wanted to ask you because a, I know a good bit about a lot of species, but I always want to know more, right? And I find fascination in other species that I keep, and I keep a lot, and I've kept a lot. I think the most I have ever counted, we were breeding like 51 or 52 species That's a of reptile in like 2007. But at that time, I wasn't paralyzed. I had eight employees total, and we were doing regular visits with the Louisiana State University's veterinary school would bring graduate students into our building to study reptiles to learn because they couldn't learn at school. Yeah. You know, which we've been talking again with them. I'm going to have him on the bullshit show, actually. Well, the guy cool. that runs LSU Vet School. I'm going to have him on awesome. because he's done a lot of cool reptile research with us and with other people. And, like interesting stuff, like pulling corn snakes and trying to do artificial insemination and trying to cryopreserve sperm in reptiles, freeze it so that we can learn how to animate it and, you know, use it later uh, to try to advance, uh, you know, conservation and, and, and morphology as well, right? I mean, like, I think that... That technology has a place in in the private sector and in conservation, not just in conservation. Uh, and they know that too, right? They know that, and so that's why I like working with guys like Mark uh, Mitchell and and like I don't know if you guys know Orlando Diaz down in Florida. He does a bunch with boas and colubrids and stuff, and um, he's a veterinarian too. We'll have him on the show. These are like some guys that have gone to Darwin Island in the Galapagos and done biopsies on marine iguanas and stuff like real fun vets, not some just regular old dog and cat bullshit, <laughs> but, um, you know, like really opening up the, the, the hobby to more species and to let you guys understand that, like, I'm tired of reading a bad review on the Herp show based on the amount of crested geckos and ball pythons you guys saw there. Okay. Like, I'm tired of that. I'm truly tired of that. Like, yeah. you're lucky to have a reptile show come near you once a year, much less once every three months. You're lucky to have that reptile show bring you, like, Robert here, bring you cages and supplies at that show to get to get Bart, to bring you fucking rodents, to, to like any rodents you want, right? Like that dude doesn't show up and been like, yeah, I didn't have it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that motherfucker shows up and he's got rats for you to buy, right? And crickets from Debbie, right? She lines the whole van, right? You've seen that. Oh, yeah. You've both seen mm -hmm. that, right? That can't be a fun drive. Like I hate the smell of crickets. I know. Personally, the smell of crickets to me is akin to a lot of nasty shit to me. She doesn't drive in with them anymore. She has them shipped in now. She has them shipped in. That's good. Yeah. That's good. But you know she drove them in before, yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. So, again, the chore of bringing that many crickets to a show for you guys, right? And to bitch about the show based on diversity when you're not even looking online. You're not looking on Morph Market. You're not looking at books. You're not looking at magazines. You're not looking at um, – you're only watching – I don't know what you're watching. You know what I mean? Like I, I when I see that and, and I don't mean to address your audience like this no. is your audience because this isn't your audience, but it, but it's bound to fit someone in your audience. Right. Because it definitely fits someone in mine. Yeah. No doubt. It fits someone in mine that, you know, as well as I do when we go to these shows and we do this. Right. We do the camaraderie after the fact. Right. We go and eat dinner afterwards. We we get drunk and bullshit and it's fun. We're a family, I think. 
Herps show family. I think it's a family. Yeah. It's a pretty solid family. But while we're at the show, we're all there for the same reason. We're all there to do good business and sell. Well, hopefully we're there to sell good animals to decent people. But the diversity it shows is purely based on the popularity of these species and how much money they make. It's not based on the fact that ball pythons are the only thing that are easy to breed or that it's the only thing we care about. And it's the only thing we care about is money at the end of the day. At the end of the day, this shit costs a lot of money. And I think that falls short of things. I think that people that have both feet in the hobby and in the commercial side of this industry, like Robert himself building those cages, a really, really great insight to what I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. When he can go from show to show and see some of the most diverse shows do the worst. Yep. And some of the best sales in the room be the ball pythons and crested geckos. Yeah. But at the end of the day, these are entry level things. And that's why I was telling you I wanted to do like an off topic Tuesday on ball shit to where I can introduce the ball python listening crowd to other shit. Just well, like I did. People need at to know shows they exist for years. Right. Just like I did with Angolan Python. Wait a minute. You mean I can keep it in a ball rack? Yeah. Keep it in a ball rack. You can keep any gopher snake in a ball rack. Mm -hmm. Dude, killer gopher snakes out there filling up a ball rack. You can grow a lot. Amazing gopher species out there right now. Yeah. The morphs. And morphs. Insane. Insane. Dude, just the Christmas mountain Sonorans I have in the other room are prettier than most of the animals I fucking own. And it's a locality-specific North American reptile. You know? Mm-hmm. Gray-banded king snake, same thing. I just yep. sold my last Alterna because I had four females and I never found a male suitable enough for the quality of the four girls I had. And to be honest, I picked them all up, odds and ends, from Don Shores over the years it shows as babies. <laughs> just raised them up to adults, put them up for a huge figure i mean an enormous amount of money like Mm -hmm. i was like i'm not gonna sell these i'm never gonna sell them i'm gonna love it and i sold them all that afternoon yep because you just don't see them you know and so yeah i want to bring that to you guys i want you guys to breed more species i want you to bring more diversity to the scene and stop hating on ball python people and stuff like that so much about it because they're not the problem they just happen to have the snakes for sale the problem is the people aren't interested enough to make it a thing. Well, I think and companies people, some people don't, just don't exist. know they exist. They don't know some of these species that they may be interested right. in. Don't they don't know they exist? And if you can find, or they or they go on Facebook and see a red-eyed crocodile skink and and condemn a, a huge species to death, right? Like an axolotl. Yeah. Right. How many people have axolotls in the south that don't have chillers? What's well, the same as chinchillas? You're telling me you really keep your fucking cold, house that cold? You chinchillas really are the one I see people buy them in the south. I'm like, fucking chinchillas are made to live in the there mountains. Like, high up in the mountains. Thing. Oh, yeah. You go into the, the chinchilla room at the Herp store, and it's fucking cold. Oh, it's cold. There. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah, as it should be. And they're probably the only pet store in the fucking country doing that. Yeah, that air conditions the animal that's supposed to be cold. Everybody thinks about yeah, heating the animals that. it should be hot, but I'm like, some of these animals aren't meant to be in Texas. Yeah, what did Tom just put out this this life-changing statement that tom crutchfield just released the last couple of days did you read it oh, what I did, did it not. say the the needs of the kept should outweigh yeah he says it all the time needs of the keeper or something i don't know but i've just seen him blasted on stuff so yeah he's probably he's got his little sayings i mean <clears> my tom crutchfield takeaway 
is, hey, kid, he wants to buy it, sell it, a dead snake, a money in the bank's better than a dead snake in a tank. That was a Tom Crutchfield that I knew. <laughs> he says we must put the needs of the kept over the obsession of the keeper to keep. There you go. Yeah. That was it. That was it. You know, and I and I Hot like I'm there. The you know what this is? This is a this is an anti prehistoric pets march. This is an anti nerd march. This is an anti anybody that keeps a retic in a fucking box march. Mm -hmm. That's all. It's not going to fix anything. It's not going to change anything. It's just basically Facebook fluff for a week. Yeah. Right. So I wish I, it did. I definitely think, like I said, I, I shit on ball pythons all the time, but I shit more on ball python people than ball pythons. I don't hate the species. And, I, and I've said a lot of times that we have ball pythons to think. Well, I mean, wouldn't it be have. a don't hate the player, hate the game sort of thing? Like, wouldn't we? And I don't, hate, I don't hate all ball python people because, like, I have a ton of fan, uh, friends, friends at shows that are ball python breeders strictly. But you know the kind of people that, like, just they get under your skin and they, I don't know. It just. But I say all the time, the you hobby have, wouldn't. You have an aversion to people that aren't academically exposed to this hobby like you are. Well, they just aren't reptile people. I don't even need you to be like an academic, like really. You know what like, Tim Bailey used to say? It was funny. He used to flatter me all the time. He used to say, you know, I really like how much you know about ball pythons and all that other stuff. But it's the scientific side of this industry, aside from that, that I admire the most. And that's what he said to me 20 years ago. And to look at that band now, keeping all these crazy species, working with the zoo and stuff like that, dude, he's doing it. He's doing it. And yeah. I think that's great. I think that's wonderful to see a person look at the hobby and be like, I'm a ball python guy. I'm a ball python, ball python, ball python. Yeah, I could still do ball pythons. I could do them in my sleep. But while I'm awake, I like this other shit. I don't know. I, the, know? the one that gets to me and is they get into ball good. pythons and they've never kept anything else, and all they know is ball pythons. And if if ball pythons are all you like, I get it. But it's the problem a is culture some, of itself. Some of them, it's all they know. They don't know anything other than ball pythons. Do you think it's funny that I took the old I'm pointing the wrong way? I took the old logo, and I changed it this year for the new shit, and I put the circle around it like the Earth. Oh yeah. Right. To where the ball pythons in its own little fucking world. Because it's what I always said it would be. It's its own little industry. It's its own little microcosm within this microcosm. It's its own little thing. It's its own great big little thing. How dare you call us little? We comprise more money than... Right? I get you. I get you 110% because I've dealt with them professionally for the most of my career. But at the end of it, you know what I see now? Tim Bailey. I see a guy with a diverse collection and a diverse experience level. I see a guy who was going to just be a ball python guy who wasn't going to be just a ball python guy. And I see that in a lot of these ball python people. You know what made me laugh was I walked, by so Tim Bailey's, I walked by Tim Bailey's table once and he had sand boas. And I'm like, that's not what I'd figure I'd see on Tim Bailey's table. No, it's not at all. But you know, that's it. You're again, judging the guy on his table. Because yep. you know those other species are always just in deli cups, loose they're, in the they, middle they're there. In between. Yeah, yeah, they're just kind of loose in the middle there. But if you look at his Facebook posts and you follow what he's really into, or if you really knew the guy, right, guy that I knew, you'd know what he's really into. And he's into the Gila monsters and the tortoise because he's got Aldabras and he's got all kind of tortoises and stuff. So, yeah, but yeah, we can wrap it up. Yeah, no, it's, it's I'm long. sorry. I'm trying to do junior high English homework that was assigned but not explained. And oh, for our kid, fuck, dude, fuck hats off to you. I'm not there yet. My kid just started fourth grade the last week or whatever. 
We're still we're just now stepping into the big school thing. We're just now getting out of like the little baby. You know, we unload the car for you and shut the door behind you. Yes. She got out the car the first day and left the door open. And the teacher was like, shut the fucking door. You know, <laughs> shut the door, kid. I'm not shutting it. You know, my little girl was like, well, I got to shut the door. I'm not going to lie. I love doing the pickup line in the back with the big kids because they open their own door and they close their own door. And I'm just there to make sure they don't get hit by a car. It's great. That's fair enough. <laughs> and, I, and if I was there, I'd be turning around backwards the other way, letting their parents figure it out. I look, mean, look, look both I, ways, kid. Look both ways. I, then, then you switch to the stick front your, with like the pre-K your, babies, and they some of them can't even get in their parents' vehicle. You have to oh, physically yeah, no, you put them in the car. In. It's yeah, crazy. You got to get them in and buckle them in. Shit. Fuck that. I'm, I'm, I'm teach high school. Those days. Yeah, but you explain assignments to your days. children. That is true. Yeah, I do that. All right. Yeah. Well, look, hey, we were having trouble with mine today because she didn't understand the assignment she was sent home with too. So I completely understand that. But in this case, I'm pretty sure it's the kid that didn't listen, not the teacher. Didn't say it. So whatever. I mean, I, Sorry, you know, I, 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 I tend to believe that I with my kids. I tend to believe that 100 percent as well. Yeah. <laughs> as a teacher, so I'm look. Like, it's before I roll out of here with you folks, I'm going to throw one of these in your face real quick. I right? love it. Oh, that is awesome. Have you not seen You've this seen yet? I've been messing no, I saw with the these. one. I saw, I saw Chris's. Yeah. I know you saw Chris's on the show, right? I've been messing with these a little bit. This is the painted one. Robert knows how easy this is to do, but yet painting takes forever, ever. So, you know, it's a process, but we will be selling the the MDF versions that will be solid paint. The wood grain versions came out sexy as hell. I know that. That's what Chris's is, you know, and the wood grain came out. This is a negative. And that's what I like about the laser. Unlike your router, I can use the negative. See? So the the U.S. arc letters came out of the other spot. So we're actually able to make two signs oh, almost cool. in one. That's awesome. As like a negative sign. I still have to do the saying at the bottom on this one. But, yeah, I just got to work it out with shipping and stuff. And, you know, we incorporated the little hangy holes in the back for you to put the screw in the wall and just sit it right it. on the screw and stuff, you know. we uh, So, uh, yeah, we'll have it live on the website here pretty soon. So like, on a, we have a banner almost. now when we do shows and we record at shows. And uh, I have our sponsors listed on there. And I didn't really ask Phil for permission. I just kind of did it. I kind of put US Arc on there. And hopefully you Phil You never will. need to ask Phil permission for that. That's I, fig- I figured Phil would be okay with it. We're Only time all, you need to ask permission is if you're using a thing that says you did something. Like yeah. a bronze, gold, silver, platinum. That's it. Nope. I just, Otherwise, wanted, I just wanted their name members. on stuff. I wanted people to see it. That was the only reason I had it on that side. And we're all members, so it works. That is true. Absolutely. I've done, Absolutely. I've done a ton of U.S. ARC signs for people. Um, you'll see a lot of the Herps vendors. They have signs that say a portion of all proceeds. Uh, yeah, go I've to seen U.S. ARC and I've Herps Family them. Foundation. Um, yep. I've done, I don't know, probably. But you know, you know, Robert can tell you guys how much quicker a laser and, and more oh, yeah. efficiently a laser can pump out signs like this for a good cause. Oh, yeah. It's definitely not uh, not as beefy and, and, and magnanimous as what a router would, you know, potentially throw, but we able to run that with this and um you know hopefully it catches on a little bit there's uh there's some special things i'm working on for some people too you know that us arc related special things and um blake stewart reached out yesterday about the signs as well so because he did the logo he's like man you got all the logos right i was like yeah dude phil sent me the whole gamut you know <laughs> and in turn you if you watch that paul taylor um paul taylor he's on my mind um the show i did with paul um why am i drawing a blank who was i with the other night that's, that's what I do we now. talked about the laser and I stuff do that now with every yeah name. are you having uh, sugar paul mcintyre mcintyire mcintyre 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 yeah 
Uh, Paul McIntyre and I did that show a couple weeks ago on YouTube where we talked about lasers and 3D printers and all that fun stuff. And I had actually sent him the graphics, and he spun off and did his so own. He 3D USR. prints a bunch of stuff, doesn't he? he? Well, he yeah, like well, he's 3D printing a lot, but he's also doing the. He's got a a diode laser, one of the regular sit down on the table lasers. I think Sean and Lori got one too. Um, but they're not fast at all. Like it takes forever to do tiles and stuff, but the quality of the image is insane. Like every machine has its strength, right? Like speed quality doesn't really mm-hmm. go together. Like there's not really one. I think the Galvo is probably the best for throwing down engravings that are of quality, but not in plastic, only in metal and stone. Like it, the Galvo won't, the, the fiber laser plastic won't take it. Yeah. You know, organics won't take it. It's so crazy. Like, I could have sparks flying off a metal cup, like yeah, making crazy noises and shit. And I can slip laser. a piece of paper towel between it and nothing. Yeah. Yep. It just doesn't react. Yeah. It's a pain in the butt. You know? But all right. So we got two hours. Um, yeah, dude. We did good. My, make sure my kid gets her homework done. Yep. Oh, it's yeah, done indeed. now. It's done now. <laughs> I just, I have spent the last 45 minutes explaining to her what each box needed her to do. Because she was like, all she did was assign it and tell us to get it done. Like, I, feel gotcha. like was, I feel like there was a step in there our daughter left out. but No, this was the assignment that was posted at 640 Maybe the not. other night. Oh, oh, that's right. Maybe you not. remember I came in and I was like, I'm not making her do this. Uh, that's Figure right. it out. Welcome that's to it. Junior That's high. the new American learning. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Sean, we people... got, we got, we're we're one, we're the greatest country in the world, everybody. Don't let anybody tell you any different. <laughs> greatest country in the world, smartest people in the world. Yeah, we got it. we're good. <laughs> if people want to get good. a hold of you or listen or watch you now, because now you're on it's YouTube, not hard at all to find me. <laughs> That's true. You, yeah, I'm being loud these days. I told you when I, well, I told Chris, I was like, when I come back, it's gonna be loud, as loud as I can make it. I will so, yeah. say this. Uh, I mean, you, you, you still do uh, listen to one with Chris. You still do hop in on top of your, your guests sometimes, but you've gotten better all the time. You've gotten better. I'm trying to do that last, but you also, and I said this to Chris after one of the uh, zoom calls, you are a kinder, sweeter Sean now than you were before. <laughs> I am not at all a kinder, sweeter. You are Sean better. Than I <laughs> you, are, you are, you are, you are different than I you were before. I am not even remotely. I have just gone to a place where I love the I okay, I love the fish hobby. I I love what it takes to be in the hobby. I don't think very many of the hobbyists have what it takes to be in the hobby. And I think that really wears me because it ends up resulting in a lot of animal death. And I think that that's sad because they're just fish, right? Fuck it. Right? I mean, really, that's at the end of the day, that's their mentality. Yeah, they're, they're fish, bro. Well, shit, people do that with reptiles. Like, I go to the sometimes. store and they got them on the heads on them still on the ice. Like there's no cows in there with fucking heads on them, bro. Like <laughs> just fish. Right. I mean, Jesus killed fish and fed the masses. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, let's, let's be honest here. Like fish are not sacred. Right. I mean, fuck them. Right. I mean, crickets, they worship them in some countries, but fish, fuck them. Let them die. We can always just go to the ocean and catch more because there's plenty in the ocean, you know. And, and and being in the marketplace and competing with stores that have blue ring octopus and thing you know, like stingrays and things like where you're like show me the client in your store that has the capability to keep this for the rest of its oh my life. God, you won't. Okay, so at the end of the day, let me just go back to the reptile world where I can nestle myself right in with the people that I like, and there's a lot of people that I don't. Ain't right? that the truth? <laughs> But I think My that's, that's the growing. case for all of us. 
right? Your list is growing, and, and it will. But at the end of the day, dude, you guys heard ball shit as I was trying to do something for myself. I was trying to do something for you. I wasn't trying to do something for my business, which is very obvious if you look at how, and I brought this up with Chris, at how very little I promoted my own brand. You didn't see Exotics by Nature banners and sponsorships and stuff. You still don't. I mean, you will on Off Topic Tuesday. I'm going to do a sponsorship by Exotics by Nature for that because Exotics by Nature ain't just ball pythons. Yeah. It never was just ball pythons. Right. Even when it was mostly all ball pythons, it wasn't even remotely all ball pythons. That's what's funny. Square footage-wise, I've probably always had 50% of my facility not ball python. It's just that's what worked. That's what flew. That's what paid the fucking bills and allowed me to have my own private zoo that nobody ever came to, which I love my own private reptarium. I'm happy with it. It's not covered with fake plastic everywhere and rocks and every shit everywhere. And, <laughs> and, and I don't need to charge people admission to come see it. No, I don't. I can just come here when I want and I can play with my two-headed corn snake and I can mess with my little weird sand boas and my little gray banded kings and my other weird shit. You know, and I like that about me. And then I was never, ever a brand sellout, a species sellout. I was never solo at it. I've been screwed more than I've ever screwed, right? Like all of those things are good things at the end of the day. And if you say that I was a meaner guy before, dude, I had a lot more pain. I had a lot more bullshit in my life. I was dealing with a lot more problems. I mean, I kind of went through it on the episode yeah. of Chris, you know? And, and those of you that know me know the problems, but a lot of people even since then were like, wait, dude, I didn't know you you lost a child before you broke your back. <laughs> yeah. Six months before I broke my back. My yeah. I didn't know that until the away. podcast when I heard that. I You're like, know. fuck. You're right. I mean, let's just be honest. The reason I could come back so strong from such an injury like I did was that it wasn't the worst thing that ever happened to me. And it ain't ever going to be the worst thing that ever happened. To me. Even though it continues to damage my life decade now in its wake, nothing will ever hurt like that loss hurt. And nothing will change the fact that mm, this is hard to say. I'm going to have to interview the guy that on the ABC show, I'm going to have to interview the guy that offered to buy my collection from me when he found out my son died just then. Damn. Same guy that tried to buy it from me when my first fiance left me. That's the kind of people we were surrounded by then. We weren't surrounded by this, do me a sticker trade, bro. I love you, dude. Let's share a booth. Let's get 27 <laughs> tables in Daytona so nobody unlike us can be like us. And do, do, do. There wasn't none of that. You Texas fuckers started that. And the Atlanta <laughs> fuckers followed. Okay? You Texas fuckers started that shit. The Atlanta people followed, and, and you are the only two groups like you in the fucking nation. I just want you to know. <laughs> All right. I just want you to know you're the only two groups like you that will not skin each other's babies after after each, behind each other's backs because the rest of us will skin your fucking children. I mean, because that's how it was, you know, the whole like meeting, like, you know, Jeremy Stone and Tom Burke and me and Celia getting together to do the one thing you can't do as Americans and price fix. Right. And Jeremy's like, I'm not going below 10,000. And Tom's like, I'm not going below 11. Let Jeremy be the cheapest. And I'm like, I'm with you, Tom. We'll be 11. We find out Jeremy's selling them for seven. 
telling all of his clients to tell us he's selling them for 10. <laughs> Be like, dude, send me a receipt. I don't believe what you're saying. Send me a receipt. I get a receipt for $7,500. I'm like, what the fuck, Jeremy? What the actual fuck, dude? How are we supposed to collude? We can't collude. We can't even break a law. Eh, what, do you, what do you expect a guy that sneaks, <laughs> sneaks snakes into a country through a pregnant belly? I mean, come on. It's- Dude, you know, what he, you know what I did when I saw that? I called him on the phone and I asked him if he learned how to smuggle animals into him. I said this. I said, please tell me all of you fellow Mormons don't think this way. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, you really learn how to smuggle an animal into the country by watching a fucking Jane's Addiction video? <laughs> Been caught stealing once when I was five. The dude goes into the fucking grocery store with a pregnant belly on and goes in the bathroom stuffing all the groceries in the pregnant belly. And that's all I could see when I got the Interpol notice that Jeremy Stone was wanted. I'm like, dude, you know you've arrived, right? I mean, most breeders went and bought a fucking Rolex. Not Jeremy. He got a fucking Interpol warrant. (laughs) You know you have arrived in the reptile community when you have a fucking Interpol warrant. I mean, Tom Crutchfield. There's a very few list of people that have had a fucking Interpol warrant. The police of the world want you, bro. That's serious shit. Like, that's validating as fuck. Like, if you're in the reptile community, you're like... Let let me tell you how hard it is to get an Interpol warrant. I, I had a guy... I had, it must be easy. I had like six warrants on for uh, child abuse, serious, like internet, and I couldn't get any fled to Europe, and we couldn't get Interpol to put a warrant on him. So it's not easy to get Interpol to put a warrant Dude, on him. Dude, it's not, but you steal a white boa from a country that never sent well, a boa no, out, and that's the fucking no, end. Yeah. It's not, the stealing, it's not the dumb part. The dumb part is going, hey, Reptiles Magazine, can you put my white boa on the front of your Reptiles Magazine that I'm not supposed to have? <laughs> and then everybody's like, oh, remember that video that floated around of those white boas in Brazil? I think that's it. The thing is, is, again, this is a protected species that's got CITES on it mm. that has all kind of ability to crawl in your ass. Like, they have the ability to come in your house and take you down. and all. Like, when an Australian species, they're like, do you have it? And I'm like, yeah, I bought it at a reptile show for cash. And I asked the guy if, I, if he obtained it legally, and he told me, yeah, he bought it at a reptile show for cash. Sorry, guys, you can't do shit. I'm keeping my pet. I love it. It's a bearded <laughs> dragon. It's beautiful. I'm going to breed it one day and make millions of them all over America, and eventually they'll have incredibly ball-shaped heads and weird underbites and other weird fucking things that no bearded dragon in Australia looks like. That's because they didn't get snuck in a pregnancy belly. That's the trick. (laughs) Right, exactly. I mean, well, let's face it. He didn't get the snake out with that. They got caught getting on the cruise ship with that shit. Him and his sister. Sister. That was a weird thing. His His sister posing as a couple that was pregnant got caught. And nothing, nothing must put you on a fucking watch list like going through a customs depot with an empty pregnancy belly. <laughs> right? Like nothing says watch that fucker like that. Like be like, what did they just dress up for fun? Oh no, this is a role play thing. I met him on Craigslist. He said he only had a thing for going on cruises with pregnant children. <laughs> and then you find out that you know, he's my sugar daddy and he wouldn't bring me other And then you find out the know, brother and sister you're like a, it's... maybe a good lie up of Oh, we were just seeing what it was like to come on a cruise ship as a pregnant couple. <laughs> like how we'd be treated or whatever. I don't know. Hmm. Whatever. I mean, I, I talk about an embarrassing <laughs> fucking moment in history. But yeah, this is uh, it. But that's what I'm saying is back then we were at each other's throats. And you don't understand that. And that, that's why I said what I said on Chris's episode, that we all had five snakes 
and we all thought five snakes were the only thing that anybody wanted. So we all had the same five snakes. And I, I didn't even get to finish my little story on that um, panda pied because the funny thing was the panda pied was only one snake produced by one guy. And it was only the one produced for many, 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 many years. There were no more panda pieds produced. Greg, I mean, uh, uh, Ian's the only one that hatched that one. And that month that that snake went for sale had seven of us trying to sell it all over the world. (laughs) And the guy that ended up selling it transported it across the world and made like $1,500. And honestly, bro, I'm not going to throw risk at paying 15 grand for an animal to sell it to you for 16.5 unless you're at FedEx with me when we go pick it up. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to ship it to you in another country where I guarantee it alive and I put all that, you know what I mean? Like all of that bullshit that was going on for people and I wasn't a reseller. I wasn't, but I had a huge shipment going to Europe and my client called me and he said I want that snake. How much can you get it for? And I was like, "Mom, you're not getting that snake, dude." You're not because whatever somebody's going to pay for that is going to be far less than what I'm willing to sell it to you for and take the risk. So, you know, it was a different world, bro. It was. And honestly, and see, those are the kind of stories I think that people would want to hear. I think they do. I think they do. And so I'm bringing it back. I got like, you know, one of the guys that worked for Bob Clark as a buyer in Africa. I got him coming on. I got Stefan Broheimer coming on, who's done 50 years in Africa. And you're going to put it out as um, an audio after the video, right? It'd be audio after. Yeah. I, all the ones that I've just done, I'm going to release here this week on audio. I just want to add something to it. So, you know? So you can go check out Ballshit, but it's with an with a. Yeah, yeah, so let's let me just say it this way. So like it, it's point. on every platform. I, I guess are you guys on every platform? I'm yes. sure you are. So Spotify and like every single platform. If I'm not on a platform you find a podcast on, please message me so I can get on it. Same here. Um, yeah. I'd like to know if I'm not on it so I can be on it. But it's B A L L S H exclamation point T because iTunes would never let me use the word shit in the name. Now the YouTube channel is slash b-a-l-s-h-t like the patreon page and all that stuff but whatever i mean there's a bunch of different ways of spelling it because i kind of locked myself into an dude it's a good name yeah it's a good fucking name it's a great name considering the time i came out with it well surrounding the so bullshit in the industry yours is bullshit perfect name. and you don't really have that many balls anymore and chris is snakes in the fat man and he doesn't have any snakes anymore he has some. Yeah. He has snakes. He what do you get? Well, he's starting. Yeah. He's starting to add. I don't get the frogs. Again. I think he's right. got a couple of snakes. He said, ah, "Fuck, I don't, I don't know. know." And I still have seventy ball pythons, so I still have That's probably or eighty or something. I still have way more than most people do, but yeah, but in the realm of what I had before, it's virtually none. All right, but yeah, that's it. I'm just trying to bring back the old stuff. Um, mix it with a little bit of new stuff. Try to compliment what all of you are doing in your respective spaces without stepping on your rolling on your toes. Gives me more stuff to listen to while cleaning cages and driving to work. That's right. Yeah, and that and that's really where it's at for for putting it on the podcast platform. I do think that you will get some things from bullshit coming from video. I think there are things that you're going to see, especially when we do some reviewing, like when 
when Stefan's on the show, he wrote this book on, oh, it's green. So it's fading out <laughs> in the green screen, right? Is that crazy looking? That's right. It's green. Yeah, it's a green book. Ball Python's Habitat, Care and Breeding. This book was is very thin. Like it's more cover than it is pages. <laughs> it seems like it's, it's like, like a book my like little girl's got yeah, on the shelf like from like first book. grade. Right, exactly. But I mean, the book was written early on. Like, I mean, it's fucking book was written like in. Oh, I was looking. Published in like 2000. I was looking at the, the green books on your shelf. I don't think yeah, you know. 2001. And he and he published it himself, you know, so the the, the English is so broken. It's so fucking funny <laughs> to read it. Like it's so it's a German. It's a German and it's the English man. You know, it's like it's a, you know, it's like it. I, I just joke with him constantly about that kind of shit. But I hit him up like a week and a half, two weeks ago. And I was like, bro, you know what? Everybody's been throwing like some really shady shit towards Dave Kaufman's ball python. Yeah. And I feel so bad because there's apparently all these people want to talk about the heyday of Africa with ball pythons. And yet Dave didn't do that on this video. So anyway, the, uh, that'll be an interesting show and I'll be flipping through the book on camera on a second camera, you know, like I'll have a second screen up. Yeah. Like your phone screen oh, you guys cool. have been buried in for the last 10 minutes. Not me. I'll have a second screen up because, like, look, dude, this guy actually has all the reproductive CITES data on ball pythons in Africa that That's they crazy. report. Like all the clutch sizes and weights and things stuff like Chris, this stuff matters. Stuff Chris says no one cares about. The stuff Chris said no one cares about, but I do think it Some people does do. matter. Yeah. You know, because like, and in the this cool book, thing is, is if they don't care about it, then they're not going to listen. So it's okay. not a big deal. <laughs> well, they'll listen to Chris in the boob tube. They'll listen to a tit show. So like talk about motorboating or whatever the fuck he's demoralizing his female listeners and viewers with. But whatever. It's all good. Like I said, I'll be the lover boy that, that never was. Uh, this book, I believe, has the clown ball in it saying it's not genetic also. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah, there you go. The so-called clown ball. Uh, this rather popular pattern variation is already being bred. Meanwhile, okay, yeah, they just been bre- just bred it. Like the very first butter. Like this is the African photo of the first butter. <laughs> you know, so like I, when Ralph Davis bought I've, that animal, we from gotta Noah, go, Sean. We gotta go. Yeah, that's it. So anyway, yeah, go. that's it. Right, I'm getting, I'm off. getting evil Goodbye. looks. <laughs> And no, it's fine. I will talk snakes all night, but I'm. I know that <laughs> I haven't had dinner yet. So I, I was say, oh shit! You need to eat. Me Robert, too. Robert, Robert right. doesn't miss it. Well, meal. good night. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks on. for coming on, Sean. Don't leave yet. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Hold on. We'll see. But- People. No, I won't leave yet. People will talk a lot of shit about how much I talked and all that type of stuff. But if you've been around, it's okay. You, James you talks a lot too. The you. fact that we have stories to yeah. tell, and that we can record them now for people that will experience <laughs> them after we die. So I let's agree. do it. So, everybody, thank you for listening. Oh, don't forget, anybody that's listening, to go check out our giveaway again on our Facebook page. All you got to do is tell us your favorite tool in your snake room, reptile room, whatever, uh, and you're entered in for the giveaway, which you have about a week left on that. So, thank you all for listening. Sean, thanks for being on. We will be back next week, and good night. 